0: No good for you. You think you're wicked smart? Then why are you listening to the disenfranchised podcast? Where that podcast all about those franchises of one, those films that fancy themselves full-fledged franchises, before falling flat on their face after the first film. I am your host, the guy who does his job, Stephen Foxworthy, uh, which makes my co-host, Tucker, the other guy?
1: Hello, Brett uh Stephen I say hello Brett. You did. You did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was thinking of Brett. That's what Aww. it was.
0: Brett Aww. is uh Brett is currently on a layover from Boston, but we expect him back very soon. Uh he's uh may or may not be undercover for the Boston PD right now. Um We don't know. We can't we get can, a hold of his handlers. <laughs> we can neither confirm nor deny. Um but Brett will be back with us again next week. Uh but for now, Tucker, it's it's you and me. What's what's going on, man?
1: Nothing much. I I totally um launched my uh my thing on YouTube, my uh preservation project and it's 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 wild. Like I got like 300 views on one of those records in like 2 days nice and like that my is more downloads algorithm.
0: than a single episode of this podcast has ever gotten so right on well
1: my my original music that i make i don't have anything past like 75 views and that shit's been there for a year <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean at least now you know to give the people what they want
1: yeah the algorithm likes my records i don't Ooh. know why uh, i mean hey man that there,
0: no harm no foul that's that's pretty cool though so you're you're preserving uh american music on the youtube and that is that is a valiant effort we on the other hand are all about preserving what am i looking for here uh preserving movies that were meant to kick off franchises but didn't um god that was a terrible segue sorry sorry america (laughs) and beyond sorry world um but yeah so we are finishing up our our first theme month of 2023 which is to say our first month of 2023 And uh, we are talking about, uh, as we have all this month, uh, a movie that won Best Picture, but couldn't get that franchise off the ground. Tucker, what movie are we talking about this time?
1: We are talking about The Departed.
0: 2006's The Departed, directed by Uncle Marty himself, Martin Scorsese. Uh, written by William Monahan, based on the screenplay by Alan Mock and Felix Chong, and starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Jack Nicholson, Mark Wahlberg, Martin Sheen, Ray Winstone, Vera Farmiga, Alec Baldwin, Anthony Anderson, Kevin Corrigan, James Badge Dale. Damn it, Tucker, what a cast. What a picture.
1: What a picture. You know, I've got I have a lot of complaints about this movie, but it's a really good movie. Let me say that up front because yeah. it's going to get hairy. Yeah, we're we're going to have about this. We're going to really question good the and I of really like opinion it. as we go. Yeah. I would, I, well, I would like to start off by saying it's a really good movie and I like it a lot.
0: You want to go on record. Look, I also really enjoy, this is the third Scorsese movie I think I saw in theaters. Um, and um I'm gonna be honest with you, Tucker. I don't think I've seen a bad Martin Scorsese movie. Me neither. I really don't. Um, here's the thing about Uncle Marty, folks. Um, he's a good filmmaker. <laughs> the man makes That's good true. movies. And um, The Departed, no exception. Um, he gets a lot of flack for a his opinions on Marvel movies, which are not entirely incorrect, in my opinion, and um his use of women, but um Honestly, I I think Uncle Marty's one of the best to ever do it. If I'm being really honest, like the man knows what he's doing behind a camera. He understands and loves movies more than probably anyone on the planet. And uh, let just let's just all agree to let Uncle Marty do his thing, right? As long as the man wants to keep going, we should we should all respect that and let him do what he does best.
1: I agree. I, I don't think he's made a bad film. I do think that this is my least favorite of all of his films. Wow. Um, It's still a really, really, I own it. Come on. I own the movie. So obviously I like it. I like it a lot. I'm just saying like out of all of his films, if I had to list them from my favorite to my least favorite, Departed would be the last one with the bullet.
0: Wow. That's pretty, that's, that's a pretty, it's a pretty wild take. But again, that also speaks to Uncle Marty's prowess as a, as a filmmaker. So.
1: Well, you know, different strokes and all that. That's that's, what's, that's what's great about this world, Stevens. People will be having different opinions about shit, you know?
0: I mean, Tucker, the world don't move to the beat of just one drum. What might be right <laughs> for you may not be right for some. Um, so, I mean, that's that's really what we're here to tell you. It's okay to like a movie. It's okay not to like a movie. It's okay not to like this movie. But I think we're both on record as liking this. Now, I've not seen everything that Martin Scorsese has directed, however – one of my favorite movies of the last 20 years is a Martin Scorsese joint, so...
1: Which is?
0: Silence. Oh, nice. Silence just, like, fucking floored me, dude. I I love that movie so much. It's so good. Um, but yeah, we're not here to talk about Silence, although the fact that Silence did not get nominated for a single Academy Award. Like, come, what are we doing here, folks? Like, come on. That movie was such an incredible achievement in every conceivable way like i just that movie gutted me absolutely gutted me um have you seen silence tucker
1: i have the only film of martin scorsese's that i have not seen is uh the one he did for netflix the the irishman
0: which is good
1: i I I like. not seen it yet honestly
0: irishman my favorite film of 2019 if i'm being real honest
1: I might check it out. The uh, My friend Jimmy that I was living with at the time watched it, and he said it was amazing. Yeah. But I just, I, I don't know. It's on my list. I just haven't gotten to it.
0: Okay. Uh, I want to amend my earlier statement to stop the onslaught of tweets that are getting ready to come. Um, Silence was nominated for a single Academy Award, uh, Best Achievement in Cinematography,
1: uh, which it did well, not win. Far cry from this movie, which... I find the cinematography in this film to be a bit uninspired.
0: I mean, that's fair. Um, I I still had a lot of fun with it, but again, that's me too. Still love it. I world. feel
1: like I'm gonna. I feel like I'm just gonna be saying things I don't like about it, and then immediately following it up with. But I still love this movie. <laughs> but I still love this movie. Yeah, I just have issues with it. The needle drops like are number one. They're so repetitive, and number two, I hate he that does... drop. I hate that drop. Murphy's. Irish punk like idiot bullshit music. I hate that stuff. And every time I hear Oh, see fucking I can hang I, myself. I like the
0: Dropkick Murphys, so
1: I, I guess that's just a, that's just
0: a matter of taste, I suppose. I'm,
1: you're you're lucky you like sausage so much, Stephen, cuz I don't know <laughs> if we'd be friends after saying something like that. What did I write down here? Um Dropkick Murphys Irish punk is bullshit for posers is what I wrote in my notes here.
0: Bullshit. Yeah. For, so I I assume Those you're more of a you're, you're more of a Pogues fan.
1: Um, I'm more of a The Jam fan. Okay. I'm more of like Sex Pistols kind of stuff. Okay. I also, mean, I, mean for... I find I think for me it, it, it goes it comes down to anything like with any music that's even slightly like Irish, it all sounds the same to me. Like I hear two notes, and I could probably hum you the rest of the fucking song because I mean, like, two it's so predictable, and that gets boring to me. Like,
0: I don't. Know, I I like Irish music. There's something I like about that kind of the the Celtic sound, the use, the way the, the the instrumentation of it a lot. Um, even the classic stuff, like stuff like the Dubliners, like Ronnie Drew was trying to preserve with the Dubliners. Like, I, I love all that shit. Like
1: the classic Irish Irish folk songs. Um, oh, I like I like uh, some Irish folk. I do. Oh yeah. Like. Um, but that's about as far as I go
0: but I, I mean I also like the i mean the pogues uh dirty old town by the uh, by the Pogues is really good um which i is a kind of an Irish standard an Irish folk standard that they kind of redo uh but also uh, if I should fall from the grace of God is just nah, chef's kiss i I love that one so much, but yeah man um and then of course you know without irish music would we would we even have bono?
1: Do we really need Bono? I'm touche. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) I mean, is YouTube is YouTube? YouTube's great. Is YouTube a a a really good band that deserves all the credit they get? Sure, but we could we could live without them.
0: I mean, yeah are are they are they somewhat overhyped? Sure.
1: Um you know is, one is... song of theirs that I think is extremely underrated though mm. is from the Batman Forever soundtrack. Hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me. Love that song. It's on okay. every main playlist that I make. It's on there because that's a real real good song.
0: And that's and look, you too, they got some bangers. It's true. But I would also say I again, I, I like what the, what the dropkick Murphys are doing. No, I do think he, he overuses that one a bit, but I don't know. I didn't mind the needle drops in this one as much as I, as much as the ones in, in Forrest Gump last week. Like, I feel like those got a little overwrought and a little overdone. And I felt like, cause I think Martin Scorsese is one of the better directors who kind of knows how to use music to set a tone. And I, I feel like, usually,
1: yeah.
0: I, and I feel like he does that. I, I feel like there's a good, there's a, there's a much better balance of it here than there is in Forrest Gump what we saw last week. Like I would call this the better soundtrack. It's not as balanced as something like Goodfellas which is like the perfect soundtrack.
1: That's but, that's a really good soundtrack.
0: Right. Like that one's uh, that one maybe the platonic ideal of a soundtrack, like of a movie soundtrack, honestly. Like that one is just so uniquely perfect. Um but honestly I I didn't I didn't have a lot of complaint. The fact the dropkick murphys the reuse of the dropkick murphys I was kind of like
1: didn't we just do this? That's the thing. In this movie there's at least two songs, I think maybe three possibly four that are played multiple times during different parts of this movie which not if you to listen to that my the score is not interesting enough to even pay attention to in this film.
0: The score I'm less enthused with, you're right. Like <laughs> I Come on. Right, no, you're not wrong. Like I, if you if you paid attention to my Zemeckis rant last week, I I kind of lamented the the repetitiveness of the score for Flight or the soundtrack for Flight, mm-hmm. and I was a little disappointed that Marty leaned so heavily on the Dropkick Murphys and and one or two other uh, other tracks in this movie because I was like, how many Dropkick Murphy songs were in this movie? There's only the one, but he uses oh, just it just like that two one. Or three he plays times. it
1: eight times. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, he uses he he does overuse it a bit, and again, I get why he's doing that. We're dealing with the Irish mob in Boston, so I understand. But there are other songs by other Irish group. Again, you could throw the Pogues on there, man, and that would work really well. Um,
1: Give me a variety; I'd be more cool with it. Other you know, Irish artists, it's...
0: you you could throw on like Sinead O'Connor. Like you could do other Irish
1: oh, acts, yeah. man. I'd be into that. Sure, hell
0: yeah, that yeah. would. I mean, that would work, and that would work really well. But again. I don't know if it was just like a budgetary thing, like the studio didn't want to pony up for other tracks or or what was going on. But, yeah, I I think this is not one of Marty's best efforts, but I still think
1: it's better than Forrest Gump last week. I I
0: will say that.
1: Oh, yeah, I agree. Definitely. Like I said, I own this movie. I do not own Forrest Gump, nor would I I ever. I did own
0: Forrest Gump, and I think I sold it because I do know I no longer own that movie. There
1: you go.
0: I went now, does it for have
1: it. a 4K? Because 1989's Dr. Caligari sure does.
0: You know what? Let's find out. I'm gonna I'm gonna look. This is uh one of our favorite so segments weird. from behind the paywall. Steven looks things up in real time.
1: So many like trash movies, some of which I say that lovingly about, mm-hmm. and some of which I don't. It's just garbage fucking shit that like vinegar syndrome and other garbage labels put out. In Uh, 4K, when stuff like Bringing Out the Dead is not on 4K. uh,
0: There is a Forrest Gump 4K UHD. It is currently available on Amazon.com for $18 as of the time of this recording.
1: If you're going to buy it, try and buy it from somewhere else, you guys. Uh, Amazon's the devil.
0: It is the devil. It's true. Any, Any major corporation is the devil.
1: That's not to say that I am I am not free from sin. I do order things from Amazon, but I try to make it the last choice.
0: Sure. I look. I get it, man. I would rather drive to, I would rather drive uh, the suburb over to grab uh, something from Barnes and Noble, uh, mm-hmm. than than get it at a, the discounted rate on uh, Amazon.com. I understand.
1: They do be having that Criterion sale every year too
0: hell twice a year and then you got the two times a year uh annual criterion flash sale too
1: that flash sale yeah I got a, mm-hmm. I got a gang of stuff on that flash sale
0: I love I will buy myself at least one thing on that flash sale and I've got a list of like things to like tick off what am i buying this flash sale oh it's got to be this one this one this one usually if there's a david Lynch 4k that's coming out that's what I'm hitting up on that on Ooh, that
1: that that inland Empire is about to drop
0: mm-hmm. or did it you better believe drop? You better believe I got that on my list. Uh, I, I do actually have Lost Highway on 4K. I know that was a topic of conversation mm-hmm. that we, you and I had had previously. But yeah, I do have that Lost Highway 4K as well. I need to watch it, nice. but I own it. That's the important thing. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for that. Uh, I'm really waiting for that Wild at Heart 4K as well.
1: Mm-hmm. That would I be nice that. to have. Yeah. You know
0: what else would be nice to have, but we'll probably never see a physical media release of it ever again? Uh, the Straight Story.
1: Oh, I love that movie. That and movie it's is like, it's, it's extra sweet because David Lynch did it. Like, it just pulls at my heart. Because I'm like, oh, David Lynch, you could have been real weird here, but you didn't because you love something.
0: Here's the thing about David Lynch. If we can go on a David Lynch sidebar please. on our Martin Scorsese oh, episode. Um, Dave, no one... No director that I know does sincerity better than David Lynch, because I think at his core, at the heart of who he is, there is there are no human beings on this planet more sincere than David Lynch. The man is just achingly sincere. And so no matter how weird the thing he makes is, and he has made some weird ass shit. Yes, he um, Mulholland Drive is is like one of my favorite movies, but I will tell you, it is weird ass shit. That movie's wild. It's so fucking good, dude. I love it so much. I wish there was a sequel planned for it so we could cover it on this podcast. I could probably pull something out of my ass to make it work, but I will not do that. But that is like a perfect movie, in my opinion. I love Mulholland Drive. Uh, and honestly, if I can finally get Brett to actually watch the damn thing, it might be worth it. <laughs>
1: You should. I don't know if he'd like it or not, but I don't. I honestly don't he know. Would have seen it.
0: It does have the single most horrifying image I've ever seen in a film before. In it, though, so
1: are you gonna? You gonna tell us what that is? Are you is gonna let us? Uh, I mean, do you not that? know
0: what you've seen the movie? Do you not know what the single most horrifying image? I have, but I want to.
1: I want to know what you think it is.
0: Uh, it's it's the thing behind the dumpster. Oh.
1: Yeah, I just. <laughs> I just you just wanted, wanted to me. hear me say
0: the thing behind the dumpster. I
1: just wanted you to say it for anybody that's out there that hasn't seen it yet. And now every time what, now, when they watch that movie for the first time, they're going to be looking at every dumpster and being like, oh, shit, is this it? Is this it? No, you is know what? It? Here's the
0: thing. Be, it, the reason it's the hor- most horrifying image in cinema is not because of the image itself the image itself is not particularly horrifying. It's the way that he builds up to it, Mm -hmm. the way that he reveals it and the way the actor responds to it. Like that scene is a masterclass intention building. And there, there are a handful of things I say that about the movie, the William Friedkin movie sorcerer is another one, just like these, these masterclasses intention. Um, But I think that scene is like encapsulated in a nutshell. And again, Despite as as weird as that scene is, what makes it work as well as it does is David Lynch's aching sincerity. Like, he just knows how to film emotion incredibly well. So that even if you have no idea what the hell you're watching, which is the case for about 95% of David Lynch's output. Yes. The one thing you cannot deny is that there is this, this intense underlying sincerity behind all of it. Like, you cannot doubt the fact that it is just so painstakingly, achingly sincere.
1: Well, I, I think David Lynch um, was perfectly described, though they weren't talking about him in Pootie Tang, when Truckee says, We didn't always know what he was saying, but we always knew what he meant. Mm-hmm. And that's David Lynch for me. Like, I don't always know what the fuck is going on in a David Lynch movie. I
0: but almost I get never what's do. What's
1: happening. Like,. <laughs> I, I, when I like the themes are there, mm-hmm. and you you get a sense of stuff, and you're like, okay, exactly. this is confusing, but I kind of I kind of see where this is going. You know?
0: When I watch a David Lynch movie, I don't go in trying to understand it. I don't go in expecting a cohesive narrative. I just I, I surrender myself to the experience of David Lynch. You got And to. that I think is the best
1: way to watch a David Lynch film.
0: There is we've covered one David Lynch film on this podcast, and there is one other David Lynch film we still have yet to cover
1: what what did we cover? Well what did you cover? I wasn't around then. What you cover?
0: Dune. We covered Dune with our good oh, friend Hope yeah. Lichner.
1: Yeah, the 60-hour episode I had to edit. I remember that.
0: Yeah. I think that was before you were editing for us, but you were like oh, no, 3 right. hours you're on right, Dune. Right. Nope.
1: Yeah, I remember. I remember putting that in the comments. I'm like no thanks. Yeah, Love not you, for me. Bye.
0: Love you, but no. I'll 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 go ahead and play it so you get the download, but I'll go ahead and turn the volume down and walk That's away and do something I did. else. Yes. Yeah. Um, And then the other one, of course, we have to cover still is uh, Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, which was intended to be the start of a trilogy that never happened because people didn't like that movie very
1: much. That's that's too damn bad.
0: It is because that movie is actually really good. That movie has grown on me. It grows on me every time I watch it. Every time I watch it, I like it a little more to the fact where I'm now like, I might love it. I think I think Dune might be David Lynch's worst movie, um, which is a feat because that dude has directed some weird stuff, but I think Dune, which in a lot of ways might be one of his more straightforward films. I say one of, because the straight story is obviously his most straightforward film, but I think
1: I'd say that the elephant man is a little more conventional than most of the stuff that he's done too. That
0: is true. You know, my favorite bit of trivia about the elephant man, which is really not even that much of trivia at this point, but um, produced by the great Mel Brooks.
1: Yeah. The, Produced by the Mel Brooks, yes.
0: That's right. You don't like Mel Brooks.
1: (laughs) I don't like Mel Brooks. I don't think his stuff is funny.
0: That is a fucking wild opinion, dude.
1: The only two Mel Brooks, well, I'm sorry. The only three Mel Brooks movies that I can tolerate, emphasis on tolerate. Wow. Is Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, and Dracula Dead and Loving It. Those are the only ones, and I think for me, Dracula Dead and Loving It, it's because Homeboy from um Ally McBeal and Ghostbusters 2, who plays Peter McNichol. Yeah, he's fantastic. He's hilarious in that. Is movie. that Peter
0: McNichol? No, I'm not. yeah, no, I'm not sure. Yes, it is. it is. Is that his name? Okay. Um, I mean, you you're leaving out my favorite Mel Brooks movie,
1: What's which that, is
0: the his first movie, the the producers.
1: Oh, I can get behind the producers. I, the, I think the
0: original nineteen sixty four producers.
1: Yeah, I, I think I I I like I actually do like that film. I always forget that he made that movie because it's not like stupid jokes you would tell with your friends in a several million dollar movie.
0: I'm sorry, sixty seven. I said sixty four. Like the
1: rest of his movies.
0: I well, don't I just, I don't understand
1: how why people love Mel Brooks so much and then like the the stuff that comes out uh, there was a time in the early and the late 90s when the airplane dudes were doing a bunch of shitty fucking parodies Zazz, that are yeah. about about as funny as a Mel Brooks movie to me it's the same kind of humor and it just goes right under my head
0: so for for you I guess parody it the issue is parody you don't
1: like parody but, but, like, I, I, people will compare UHF to, like, a Mel Brooks movie, and I think UHF is funny as hell. It's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen.
0: Hmm. I don't know. So maybe it's just the type of parody for you, because honestly, like, I don't think UHF, I love UHF, don't get me wrong, but I wouldn't put UHF up against, like, blazing saddles or young no. frankenstein or but
1: uhf is better than every mel brooks brooks movie combined times about a hundred respectfully in disagree. my eyes <laughs> respectfully, respectfully disagree. salute you for that opinion Like
0: <laughs> that is a that is your opinion it is a wrong opinion but i i salute your right to have it sir
1: it is it is wrong but it is valid
0: it is <laughs> cheers to you tink we're we're toasting our beers to one another that was a fun sidebar we did on two directors that I admire and one that you admire and one that you don't. Um, speaking of directors that we admire, Martin fucking Scorsese directed The Departed.
1: Yeah, that's true. He did.
0: What's your favorite Martin Scorsese movie, Tucker?
1: My favorite Martin Scorsese movie? Um, Thanks for asking. My favorite Martin Scorsese movie is Bringing Out the Dead because it's probably one of the greatest films of all time.
0: Which I still have not seen.
1: That's too bad for you, dude. You I've heard nick it's Cage, really good. Like at at, at his nick Cage-iest. Mm-hmm. You've got um John Goodman is up in that mug. Oh, I um, didn't know John
0: Goodman was in it. Oh, yeah, that makes me that, want to see it even more now.
1: That Arquette gal that was in the Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Patricia? Uh Patty Arquette, yeah. She's in it. And she was I also think, in Lost Highway. Mm-hmm. This is true. I think I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Billy D. Williams is in it. Oh,
0: <gasps> My man Billy D, absolutely. I I'm do pretty sure I'm loves me some right Billy D. Right. Again, this is us googling things in real time. Everybody's favorite segment on this podcast. Well, um, Ving
1: Rames is in it, but I was pretty sure.
0: Ving, Ving. Rames, Tom Sizemore, Cliff Curtis. Um is
1: that Ving Rames? I feel stupid now. Billy D is not in it. I'm so sorry.
0: Oh, man. I, I, I'm i embarrassed for you.
1: I'm embarrassed, too. I gotta tell you, I own this on VHS when it came out, and it has not been released on home media since its initial release. There's no Blu-ray. There's no 4K. There's just the original DVD release and the VHS release. That's it. So, uh, it was one of the VHS's that got destroyed in a flood <gasps> along with uh, probably about half of my DVD collection and most all of my VHS collection back then. I've since rebuilt both of those, not to where they were, but um, <clears throat> so bringing out the dead. It's I haven't seen it in a while, but it is my favorite. I used right to watch on. it all the time on VHS. It's so good. You should see it. I mean, honestly, you should watch it right now. But we gotta right. do this podcast. So <laughs> when we're done, you start that start that up. Okay, all right. Yeah, and don't, don't worry, Jimmy any... Shelter is in it, so don't worry.
0: I mean, it is a Martin Scorsese movie, so you got to figure.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's um, a banger. Like if you're, it gonna is. Pick a, if you're gonna pick a song to put in every one of your movies, that's it's a good one to choose.
0: There are worse songs to put in all your movies, absolutely. Um, since you asked, Tucker, my favorite Martin Scorsese movie, I believe, and again, this changes from day to day, but at the current moment, it is. Uh, 2016
1: silence um yeah yeah
0: i friggin' love that film uh that movie kind of rocked my world um very close second would probably be goodfellas which again is i think the movie marty should have won his first oscar for
1: um, yeah there's so many that's why i was saying about this movie is that it's a great movie but as far as martin scorsese movies go there's so many other movies that he's made that deserved an oscar way more than this movie. Not saying this movie didn't deserve an oscar.
0: I'm just right. saying there're
1: so many more that came before it that deserved like every oscar.
0: Let's let let me run through Marty's track record as a academy award nominee. He gets his very first nomination in 1981 for what I think is another absolutely incredible film, Raging Bull. Agreed. Um, he gets another one at the end of the decade for the Last Temptation of Christ in eighty nine, a movie I've not seen too. but need to. It's on
1: underappreciated. My, it's, People don't talk about it enough.
0: That's what I've heard, and honestly, I really do want to watch that because I just love the idea of lifelong Catholic Marty Scorsese directing one of the one of the most divisive Jesus epics of all time. Like oh, I, man.
1: I honestly. Once you see it, we have to do a Christianity corner on it because hell to yes. blow your brain off, dude. You know
0: what? Let's fucking plan a, a Christianity corner for Last Temptation of Christ. Let's just let's just put it on the books right now. February Christianity corner, Last Temptation of Christ. Let's put it on the books. Sure. I'm I need an it. excuse. I need an excuse to watch more Uncle Marty movies. Um, ninety one Goodfellas. I would again. I, If he doesn't win for Raging Bull, he should have won for Goodfellas. Do you know who wins the Best Director and Best Picture Oscar in 1991 instead of Martin Scorsese? I do not. One of my least favorite director actors in existence, Kevin Costner for Dances with Wolves.
1: You hate him so much. I I really like. I, I don't wish, love him, but, like, I don't hate him. I don't get I him. wish
0: I could articulate why I dislike Kevin Costner to the extent that I do. At this point, it's probably a bit that I'm committing to a little too hard. But, like, that was kind of, like, the thing that people knew me for in college. Like, now people know me as the guy who loves cheeseburgers and, like, has a podcast about movies. Um, at one point in my life, I was known as
1: the guy who hates Kevin
0: Costner. <laughs>
1: I guess that's a thing to be, I guess.
0: Um, but yeah, so I just I'm violently opposed. Um, he he is not nominated for Best Director, but is nominated for Best Screenplay for Age of Innocence, which is interesting. Wait, did you
1: say did you say 1991? That for For been... the
0: 1990 year, the Oscars oh, okay. in 91 for the 1990 film year.
1: OK, I was gonna say because his second best film ever came out in 91. Which is? Which is Cape Fear. Best performance by Robert De Niro ever.
0: I actually did see Cape Fear for the first time last year. Oh and
1: my god.
0: It is it is the first of Marty's two remakes, this being the Ooh. second, The Departed being the second.
1: Uh, P.S. But, the original is really good too. Check it out if you're into film noir. The original Cape uh, Fear is amazing. Robert Mitchum is in it. It's real, real good. He appears the original, in the remake too. I
0: was going to say, both of the original stars of the, re- are of the original are in the remake. Both Robert Mitchum and Gregory Peck.
1: Yep. And the, Gregory Peck play, plays an
0: Artemis or plays a plays an Atticus Finch style lawyer, or I guess maybe not quite Atticus Finch style, but plays a lawyer in the in the remake. And Robert Mitchum is a cop, uh, interestingly enough. So yeah, it's good stuff.
1: Dude, Cape um, Fear, man. Ooh, that's right. A, that's ooh, that's one of those movies that just it, I it gets me all bothered, man, while I'm watching ooh. it. Not bothered in like a sexual manner. But like it just really, whew, it gets me. It's not comfort, a comfortable like, movie no. at all. Wow! Like I, so it, like I watched it. I
0: watched it with my girlfriend for the first time. Like I was just like, "Hey, let's watch Cape Fear," and she was like, "Okay." And so we just <laughs> watched it together, and and she was like, "I have some issues," and I was like, you are "I have right to take to a shower." Those.
1: Like I'm gonna go take three showers right
0: now. <laughs> Ironically, as soon as the movie was over, she did take a shower. Um, like you do. Like you do. I always
1: do when
0: it's over. <laughs> um. He doesn't, it, it takes almost a decade for him to get nominated again. Best director in 2003 for Gangs of New York, which I stand for Gangs of New York. I love that movie.
1: That's yeah, good. Um, it's real, real good. It's, yeah. it's towards the bottom of my list too, but it's like I still fucking love it. You know? Still,
0: still really good. Um, he gets nominated again in 2005 for The Aviator. Uh, the first Marty Scorsese movie that I ever saw in theaters was The Aviator uh and then gets nominated again in 07 uh where he wins for the departed the
1: deep-arted
0: the deep deep-arted um and then he is nominated again for Hugo in 2012 um and then in uh 2014 for the Wolf of Wall Street and in 2020 for The Irishman. after that it pretty much seems like anytime Marty directs a movie they're nominating him but there was uh Wolf i Wall mean Wall
1: Street being A really good, very disgusting movie that I never want to see again.
0: Wolf of Wall Street was one of those, like, I don't know why this movie exists when he already directed Casino. Like, Casino is the better version of Wolf of Wall Street, in my opinion.
1: I don't know. I think, I think, um, Casino, even though the characters are straight up bad dudes, Mm. like, I can not so much empathize with them, but it doesn't make me like feel gross to watch them. Whereas like Wolf of Wall Street, like every scene in that movie just makes me feel gross. I'm like, people are disgusting.
0: It glorifies, it it glorifies the worst of humanity, I think in a Mm -hmm. weird, weird way. Uh, And maybe I think that might be the point that Marty is making. I could be wrong, no doubt. but I think no doubt. I, I think that's that's kind of what he's trying to get across. But yeah, he he leaves you with that kind of ookie feeling that yeah. But again, I think he does that because again, we just said he does that really well with Cape Fear. Um, I think that's something that he is uniquely suited to do.
1: Agreed. Uh, second favorite Martin Scorsese film, uh, underappreciated classic. Hopefully, future episode of Unenfranchised the color of money
0: which i was about to mention uh, which i I would have mentioned later in the episode the reason part of the reason why the departed doesn't get the sequel that they they wrote a sequel it revolved around mark Wahlberg's character uh aka the guy who lives at the end of the movie
1: he is Um, the boy who lived
0: the boy who lived come to die boy from
1: Southie who lived
0: yeah he lends this movie such... Can I just... Let's let's do a Mark Wahlberg let's sidebar Mark real quick. talk about
1: Mark Wahlberg. Yes, please. He
0: is nominated for an Oscar for... Or I think... Was he nominated for this movie or was... It's not? See, now I'm not sure. Um, I don't know,
1: but he deserved it because I'm pretty sure they didn't even give him a script. They were just like, Hey, Mark Wahlberg, come in here and just talk to some people like you normally would in real life.
0: He does get nominated. He is the one nomination this film gets that doesn't result in a win. Um... It wins best picture, it wins best director, it wins best adapted screenplay, and it wins best film editing. Uh it the only thing it was nominated for that it doesn't win is best supporting actor Mark Wahlberg. Um which bad. is a crying fucking shit. I'm gonna now I want to know who won that year. And I don't cause... even
1: I, I like as a person, not a fan of Mark Wahlberg. Oh as no, an actor, as a human being, not he a is a fan. He's like, despicable. I think my two favorite performances by him are in this film, mm-hmm. because, wow! I hate him so right? much, like in the best possible way.
0: He is I hate him so much. Oh my god! Yeah, he is. He's so terrible in this movie.
1: And then uh, the second best Mark Wahlberg performance is Fear with Alicia Silverstone, which I have not he seen. Is fucking psychotic in that movie. The movie itself, not that great. Mark Wahlberg, unfucking hinged.
0: You almost wonder if he was really acting in that movie.
1: Oh, it's crazy. It's not like he has a history of, like, assaulting people, especially minorities. Hmm. Hmm. Hmm.
0: <laughs> hmm. And if you're listening Maybe. to this and going, what the fuck are they talking about? Uh, there's a little thing called Google. Uh, oh, Type in man. Mark Wahlberg assault. And I'm sure you'll find everything you need to know about Mark Wahlberg as a human being. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> who better to welcome the Pope to America than Mark fucking Wahlberg? Yeah. Really, when you think about yeah.
1: it. Yeah, I will say, too. I
0: will say, his brother does cook a mean cheeseburger. I will I will say that.
1: Well, Donnie, I'm into Donnie Wahlberg. I've been, I've been, oh, Donnie, not Donnie, Donnie the, the other kids one on the block,
0: the other one, the the, the one that's actually a chef, uh, who oh, started like Wahlburgers.
1: Oh, he's in this movie, isn't he? Who, Donnie? No, the, the other brother,
0: the Wahlburgers guy, uh, yeah, it's Paul, it's, it's Paul. There's another. Paul. Is there another Wahlberg in this movie?
1: There is. Look at the cast right now. Stare at it with your eyes, Stephen. Look at that right there.
0: Well, I'm I'm not there Robert Wahlberg
1: as Lazio, FBI.
0: Okay. Robert Wahlberg is um, another brother, but it is not the...
1: Golly, how many are they? Are they like the Jacksons in this movie? There's five. There's five Wahlberg brothers. They could have the Wahlberg five.
0: (laughs) There's Marky Mark and his Funky Bunch. Uh, he's, like, he's
1: like, hey, ABC, one, two, three. Say hi to your mother for me.
0: Say hi to your mother for me. Uh, there's, uh, so there's Mark, Marky Mark himself. There's uh, Donnie, new kid on the block, uh, Wahlberg. There's Paul, I own Wahlbergers, Wahlberg. Uh, there's Bobby, um, I, I appear in movies my brother doesn't want to, Wahlberg. Bobby,
1: I was in The Departed, Wahlberg.
0: He was also apparently in Mystic River and a movie called, you're, not, you're never going to believe this, a movie called Southie.
1: What? No way. Right? We have some Casey uh, then, Affleck in that bit too. Like mm, let's get them well, all in
0: there. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's also in Gone Baby Gone with Casey Affleck, so there is that. Yeah. Uh yeah. and then there is Jim walberg um, who is uh who I guess does uh have a a film career as well.
1: Um if we were friends, I'd call him Jimmy Walls.
0: Jimmy Walls, yeah. Uh but no, Paul Pauly. Paulie knows how to cook a cheeseburger, man. I've been to the Wahlburgers in Carmel, Indiana, and I got to tell you, um, that's a good cheeseburger.
1: I believe that. I don't know if they have a plant-based substitute, but if they do, we should totally they do. go next time I'm in town.
0: They do, and I would have to be in town at the same time, but uh, it, is, it is the Marky Mark's Steven, choice.
1: Steven, you're three hours away.
0: I am. That's true. You're much further I am, out than I am. I
1: am, fifth, I am 16 hours away. So if I come to town, you better bring your ass down and take me to Wahlberg's. Be, uh, you can take I'll, the train, man. I'll pick I'll, you up.
0: I'll see what I can do. <laughs> um. But yeah, so I mean, look, but no, I think of the performances in this movie, I think Wahlberg's might be the best, honestly, like, And again, it doesn't even feel like he's acting. It just feels like he's responding the way Mark Wahlberg would actually respond to this shit.
1: It's like Martin Scorsese said, "You hate all these people, go."
0: And and he's like, "What do you mean? I already do hate these people. These people fucking suck, bro."
1: Say say hi to their mothers for me.
0: Say hi to their mothers for me.
1: (laughs) Can't stop. That's all. I'm the guy
0: who does his fucking job. You must be the other guy. Um,
1: Chicken. Chicken. How's it going?
0: (laughs) <laughs> say, how do you mother fool me? Uh, and I love the fact that the very next week, he just showed up on SNL doing the same bit. Um, yes. Good stuff. And when Josh Brolin, who was guesting that week, like walked by, he's like, say, how do you mother fool me? And your stepmother. Because his stepmother at the time was Barbara Streisand. Yeah. Um, Mar- this is the first of Marky Mark's two Oscar nominations. The other one, uh, Tucker, do you know what his other Oscar nomination was for?
1: Uh, I'm thinking, and at the moment, I don't have a guess. But I'm going to feel stupid when you say it, I'm sure of it.
0: But... Yeah, the Fighter, the film for which Christian Bale won his Oscar, and Melissa Leo won her Oscar. They nominated Marky Mark for one, and he didn't get it. That's too bad. Is it? I don't know. If he was going to win for one, I wish he would have won for this one. Uh, Instead, Alan Arkin won his career Oscar for Little Miss Sunshine,
1: which is not even remotely his best film. No, not even close.
0: Nope, not even a little bit. Uh, But what are you going to do? But, you know, um, look, man, just fucking The Departed. I think is this. Let me ask you this, Tucker. Mm -hmm. Is The Departed the last great Jack Nicholson role?
1: Well, it's funny you ask that, Stephen, because it? I think that there was an obvious and much better choice for this role. Jack Nicholson does fine in this role. He does his Jack Nicholson thing. And, oh, see, and I love everything he does in this like role. All, all of all of all of his. I don't. I don't think I've seen. I don't think I've seen a bad Jack Nicholson performance. Same. I don't think I've seen a bad I'm sure there are some but I just don't bother with those movies sure but he he does fine like he normally does you know he does Jack Nicholson he's great but yeah he does he does the Jack thing and this is why I I asked you if you'd seen Deadwood because I think Ian McShane Mm. would have been perfect for that role like Jack Nicholson is great for that role but Ian McShane would have been perfect if you don't know who ian mcshane is not you steven but i'm talking to the audience here sure If you don't know who ian mcshane is uh he was in the tv series deadwood uh and the subsequent film and he's uh i think the second thing that he's most known for is being rod's dad in hot rod
0: he old is old man
1: new heart
0: he is also uh, blackbeard and pirates of the caribbean 4 on stranger tides he never is, sneak
1: up on a man who's been in a chemical fire.
0: He is the villain in Kung Fu Panda. And he also has a role in the film John Wick, which is fairly popular. Actually he's in These are
1: all movies. I've never seen
0: all three John Wick films. Uh, he's also in a single episode of game of Thrones where he plays a, pr- uh, like a, a priest or a, a, a pilgrim. I try of to some sort.
1: I try to forget game of Thrones. I hate <laughs> watched that because the person I was dating liked it. So
0: fair enough. He is also in future episodes of this podcast, Uh, Among others, The Sorcerer's Apprentice, Jack the Giant Slayer, and Hercules. All movies that we will... uh, Also, uh, The Golden Compass. Uh, Also, The Seeker of the Dark is Rising. Um, All movies that we will cover on this podcast one day. Holy shit. This man has been in a lot of failed franchise starters. Um,
1: Ian McShane is amazing. If you need proof of that, watch Deadwood. Uh, Because I think, honestly, his performance in Deadwood is probably one of the best performances of anyone ever ever put to film there Mm. I said it I won't tell you (laughs) that's just how it is I think that man is so amazing in that role
0: I look I think he is I, I love Ian McShane um I think he would have done well here but I think and again for what Marty is trying to do here I think you need Jack because this the, the thing about this movie is the cast is just stacked from top to bottom. Like, there's no mm-hmm. dead weight in this. Even the people that aren't well-known yet will become well-known later. Like Vera Farmiga. You're like, yeah. who the hell is Vera Farmiga? She will be an Academy Award nominee within the next few years.
1: And and Martin Scorsese uh, uh, actually put a person of color uh, in his film. Uh, Another and, thing and, and he is notoriously known for not doing. <clears throat> Brown. Anthony Anderson's character, <laughs> in which he is the only person of color in the entire film in The Departed, is Officer Brown That's or Detective amazing. Brown. I don't know. That's incredible.
0: <laughs> now I kind of want to know what the name of Samuel L. Jackson's character in Goodfellas was.
1: I would guess, but taken out of context, I would probably sound racist. <laughs> Very likely.
0: I'm going to look right now. I've got the cast list for uh, Goodfellas pulled up. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson plays a character named Stax Edwards.
1: That's surprisingly tame.
0: (laughs) So not as racist as some might think. Um, Not brown. Not brown. Um, Speaking of racism, we should probably talk a little bit about the inherent racism Uh, and homophobia of the
1: departed especially homophobia
0: especially the homophobia good lord honestly the only thing i think that could have probably made this movie a little more um i don't a little more uncomfortable as if one of the main detectives had been a closeted homosexual
1: now i don't i don't particularly have excuse me um, as to a, be clear, as I a, don't
0: want that to have been the case because I don't think it would have been handled well. But
1: yeah. no, as a as a straight white dude, like I don't have a problem with the homophobia in this film because it's, I mean, it's realistic. It like, is. Consider the city, consider the time, and consider the occupation. I mean, and like if so it was, weren't there, I'm, I would be like, this this doesn't check. Like this doesn't pass the real test because they're not. Calling each other homophobic slurs every five seconds, you know, which
0: they kind of do in this movie, and they and do. the racism is is I guess part and parcel of that as well. Like you get, mm-hmm. there's not there's not as much of it as there could be, but there are a lot of ethnic slurs, particularly around Italians. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the the there are one or two toward uh, African Americans but then you get kind of the overt like you're a black man in boston like you're a black cop in boston do you honestly think anyone's going to respect you or something whatever leo says to anthony anderson toward the beginning yeah, of the movie he says no matter
1: what he does he's getting a raw deal it doesn't because right. he? he's talking about being a cop and he's like you're a black dude in boston doesn't matter right. what you do you're going to get fucking shaft."
0: yeah you're fucked um so um so i mean look it's it's there and i i it's there and i think it's part of the stew of bought the boston police not to you know necessarily disparage the boston police but no,
1: please disparage all but a cab
0: i will go on record um one three uh, look, one Night- two N- nightbreed says a cab and so does this enfranchised um so there you go Here um we
1: are. i stand by it
0: yeah <laughs> but um like there there is kind of this acknowledge and again a lot one month's if 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 the Black Lives Matter movement told us anything, it is that there is a deep-seated racism within American um within American law enforcement, and I think that it, that also extends to homophobia. Really there's this deep-seated distrust, mistrust, fear of the other kind of built into that profession. And I think Marty does a really good job of exploring that. Well, not and not really even exploring that, but presenting that here
1: acknowledging it I right. would say because he doesn't because really they, I mean, interrogate it, on it. No, no they don't focus on it but it's obviously a part of what happens in it's that clearly baked into people. the cake yeah. right
0: yeah Um. and and one of the things one of the things that I really like about this movie is it feels very much like Goodfellas but it also feels very much like Martin Scorsese's Heat which is Michael Mann's mm-hmm. Heat is maybe one of my favorite movies of all time like the I would put that in shit. my top five I love Heat um, and Not the, in my
1: top five, but amazing. Just blown away by that movie.
0: I will call Heat a perfect movie. It is maybe my favorite crime movie of all time. Like, I love that movie. I agree. Um, But that is, for me, like, this feels very much a piece of what Marty is trying to do with regard to, like... It, it it feels very Goodfellas-esque because you've got the whole mob angle and the the informant within the mob angle. But then he explores both sides of that equation in a way that no one really has done quite as well since Michael Mann. And I don't think he does it quite as well as Michael Mann does in Heat, but it is a similar kind of thing where you're looking at both sides of law enforcement um, in a way that is very interesting. Now, to be fair, and I want to put go on record here, I don't think... And I think it's clear neither one of us, Tucker, have seen the film that this movie is based on.
1: No, unfortunately, I have not. But I did look up the plot synopsis to the two sequels.
0: Okay, so you kind of know where they might have been headed, potentially.
1: Uh, Well, I don't know, because like the second one is a prequel and the third one is like simultaneously a prequel and a sequel at the same Mm -hmm. time. Kind of like Twin Peaks
0: Firewalk with me.
1: I I doubt it's as good as that but yeah what is <laughs> like,
0: um so but and and honestly I think one of the I don't think both spoilers I get we've not really gotten to the plot yet but spoilers for the end of the departed yeah,
1: we should probably do that we're about an hour in we're
0: almost an hour in we've honestly we've not had a a delay this long since since the dune episode honestly uh between the start of the episode and the um uh, and the the plot in 60 Um, but that is, I I think particularly, um, I forgot what I was saying. I was saying a thing and I completely forgot what it was.
1: Well, if only, if only we could rewind and find out what it was, let's see, we were talking about homophobia, racism, and then Michael Mann and heat. And... I don't know. Oh, we were talking about the the original ones, the sequels to the original.
0: Yes. Um so so I mean, I I unlike in the original film Internal Affairs, both cop both both character both lead characters in this movie die. Only one of them dies in the original Internal Affairs. Both of them tell dying.
1: in this one. Speaking of them both dying, spoilers to anyone who hasn't seen this movie. And if you haven't seen this movie, why are you listening to this podcast? Go watch that movie right now.
0: Seriously, go watch The Departed. Seriously.
1: Um, But now I forgot what I was saying. What was I saying, Stephen?
0: <laughs> I just talked about how both of the lead characters in this film die.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something that Scorsese does well in this film. And I think that he does well in a lot of his films is he there's some a lot of the violence in scorsese films is not fun Mm -hmm. it's not fun at all it's disturbing it's upsetting like towards the beginning of the film when you see jack nicholson pop those two people on the beach and Mm -hmm. it's just like she landed funny like that's that's fucked up
0: that is fucked up look the violence in casino might be the most uncomfortable violence i've ever seen in a film like it's like well, it, yeah that hmm. at
1: the end of this movie um well not the very end sure. when when Matt Damon gets it but mm. when Billy gets it and Brown <laughs> and the other guy gets it that's, yeah that's you're not like oh man somebody got shot you're like holy fuck somebody just got shot
0: right you're like, like that's that really
1: fucked up like that's the... impactful it's not fun it's not good times it's not comic book violence no it's real violence and it's fucked up.
0: I think this is only maybe the second or third time I've seen this movie. And even though the first time I saw this movie, Leo's death took me complete, caught me completely off
1: guard. Like I was not,
0: that is the most jarring death. No matter how many
1: times you've seen it, you're never ready for it. And that's it. You're never fucking ready.
0: I was just as unprepared this time as I was when I first saw it. And I knew it was coming. Like it's, it's just a very stark break. Like, it's so unexpected. It's so out of left field. And again, it speaks to, I think uncle Marty's brilliance behind the camera that he's able to, to craft a moment. And, and also the performance of, of both Damon and DiCaprio, that they're able to pull off the banality of what is happening. And then just bam, that stark contrast of the character's very sudden death. Um, and, all of the fallout from that. Like, it's just kind of this perfect synergy of talent just in this single scene of film. And it's absolutely unreal. Like it's so absolutely incredible. That's
1: another thing that I admire about Martin Scorsese, uh, his entire career Mm. is that he's not afraid to kill anybody. Mm -mm. He'll pop anybody like, and it's, it's effective. It's fucked up. And like you spent your whole movie with, in in this case, mm-hmm. uh, like rooting for for Leo, man, rooting for Billy. And then he's just like that. Gone. Just snatched from you like that. Just gone. Like no warning. He's just fucking gone. And that's how violence is, is in real life. Mm-hmm. It's abrupt. It's disgusting. And it fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. And that's something that Martin Scorsese is very good at portraying.
0: Yeah, I think he depicts it probably better than most filmmakers, honestly. Like I said, the the violence in Casino might be some of the most disturbing violence I've ever seen on film. Mm-hmm. Um like the scene with the vice and the dude's head, like I just I can't. Like it's just
1: it's that's fucked. that's how I judge a person is by how they react to those kind of violent scenes in movies. Mm-hmm. Because if somebody's watching The Departed or like you said um Casino and and they think that shit's funny, we're, we're probably not going to be friends. No. Now there is some funny violence. I'm all into cartoon violence. I love slasher movies. I love horror films. Tarantino I love like violence. has love made it. a
0: career out of cartoonish violence.
1: And it's great. It's fun. It's good times. But, but the that's, way Marty does it, if you think that shit's funny, there's something wrong with you.
0: It's a very different. It's a very different depiction. Um, and and there are guys who do the the the, the cartoonish violence well. I think Tarantino does it well. I think Verhoeven does it pretty well. Uh, Verhoeven kind of tries to ride the line between cartoonish and reality.
1: Like he's like, well, I'm the only wants one to, who depicts Shatajish. He, he wants to make a cartoon with really heavy social commentary and he's really good at it.
0: He is. Robocop really, is really a masterpiece. Agreed. Um let us just let's just I have the criterion DVD of also Robocop to and it's great.
1: A lesser extent Starship Troopers.
0: Uh I also do enjoy Starship Troopers. Um
1: the effects so. have not aged well, but other than nope. that? Love it.
0: Other than that, very honestly, the performances aren't great either, but I love the movie in spite of all that.
1: It fits. It fits the film. Like it does. I'm glad the performances aren't great. If they were, then it wouldn't be as good of a film, honestly.
0: Honestly? You're 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 on to something there. Like it is what it is and that's why it's as good as it is. Um
1: The Perfect Storm.
0: Exactly. But yeah, no, I mean Uncle Marty is doing um is doing violence in a way that i don't think anyone else is and that
1: well i'd say few but yeah a few
0: yeah right right very few are but i think he's he's probably one of the best known doing it the, like the scene well you haven't seen it yet but there's a scene in the irishman uh where i don't know that i'm spoiling anything telling saying this but a character gets curb stomped and it's de- it's oh. pretty clearly depicted and it is oh. disturbing
1: you well, know that that adds another couple of years to me yeah. putting off watching that movie. <laughs> Look, I, no, I I
0: the Irishman is not a perfect film by any stretch of the imagination, but it is a very good film, and it, it it feels like Marty's final word on the gangster genre. I don't know if he'll ever go back to it, but it feels like a good final chapter to the 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 magnum opus of his career, filled with kind of these. That that he started with Mean Streets, kind of these kind of gangster, unsavory character films, um, leading up like through the Departed. The Departed would definitely be one of those uh, leading up through uh, the through The Irishman. I think The Irishman is a very good kind of way to bookend that that a career that has kind of focused on that more or okay. less consistently.
1: I do need to watch it because it is like I think it's the only. I think it's the only Scorsese film that I haven't seen.
0: What, what are your thoughts on Kundun?
1: I obviously haven't seen that one either. Okay,
0: so you've got a couple what's, more to get that through. One? How I do mean, I not know about this? You don't know Kundun?
1: No. Dude. I know Mean Streets. I know Taxi Driver. I know Goodfellas. I know Casino. Um...
0: I mean, look, let's 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 take a let's take a little Uncle Marty detour right now. Let's let's talk the man's filmography because
1: before before we do, because this is going to be a long segment about this and I Mm -hmm. don't want to forget this. I think um, some filmmakers that are really good at doing both, even in the same film, having cartoonish violence and very gritty, depressing, awful, you don't want to look at it. Violence Mm -hmm. are the Coen brothers. Agreed. They will do that shit in the same movie. You'll be laughing in the same at Same movie death and yep. fucking like trying to breathe during another one. You know that's
0: what makes Blood Simple so perfect in my mind. Like that. Oh that right. Mm. Miller's Crossing as well. Um, so good. Um, so his first film, 1967's Who's That Knocking at My Door, which I have seen. Um, uh, Boxcar Bertha, which he makes for Roger Corman in '72. Yes, the following year, he does of
1: that
0: one. Mean Streets
1: which is great i think.
0: Alice doesn't live here anymore in 74.
1: Was that that was a tv film though, wasn't it?
0: No. That was uh that was the now they did do the, the tv series Alice was kind of a tv adaptation that played into the comedy more than the I'm actual I'm thinking of Don't Drama. Ask Alice. There yeah. That that was a tv film. That's
1: a different thing.
0: Totally different thing.
1: Totally different thing.
0: Very different thing. <laughs> Uh, taxi driver in 76 new york new york in 77 good, last good, yep. uh, last waltz i guess is a documentary in 78 with
1: the band man with the
0: band everybody uh,
1: loves the band up all creep creep sorry please
0: continue. Me. yep uh raging bull in 1980 uh king of comedy which i love mm-hmm. in 82 yeah. another That's one i love in 85 after hours so fucking good mm-hmm. Uh, the Color of Money, probably coming soon to an episode of Unenfranchised Near You.
1: Gosh, I hope so. Everybody needs to watch The Hustler and The Color of Money. That's
0: I've seen The Hustler. Feature. I have yet to see The Color of Money. I should probably do a double feature on that someday.
1: You don't, It's on my voodoo, Steven. I will log you right in.
0: Hells yeah. Uh, 88, The Last Temptation of Christ. Uh, 1990, Goodfellas. 91, The aforementioned Cape Fear. 93, Age of Innocence. Uh, 95, Casino. 97, Kundun. Uh, no, 99, Bringing Out the Dead. Yeah. Uh, 20, 2002, Gangs of New York. Uh, 2004, The Aviator. 2006, The Departed. Uh, 2010, Shutter Island.
1: Holy crap, he directed Shutter Island?
0: He directed Shutter Island. He did indeed. That's
1: so, that's so, it doesn't. Feel like a scorsese film to me that's so weird
0: it it, doesn't feel like
1: one to you though
0: no it doesn't but that's kind of it it, because it's him it's him adapting a novel and kind of surrendering his style to the style of the novel and i think it's really interesting
1: him and Um, david lynch man they should get together and do a movie oh i would fucking love that (laughs) uh
0: 2011 hugo 2013 wolf of wall street uh, and then we have 2016, my favorite Scorsese film, Silence, and then in 2019, it's The Irishman. So that is kind of Scorsese's career. And that's not including any of with other than The Last Waltz, that's not including his documentaries, because he did a Board really...
1: episodes of TV series that he's done. Boardwalk
0: like, Empire vinyl, right. Schwartz,
1: like, He's been a part of anthology films. Yep.
0: So, look, all I'm saying is Uncle Marty is an American institution and we stand. Agreed. At least you and I stand. Brett, Brett may or may not stand. I don't want to speak for Brett, but at least, Tucker, you and I stand Uncle Marty.
1: You know, I don't know how many Martin Scorsese films he's seen, but, and I don't know Brett as well as you do, but I feel like he'd be on board with most of them.
0: Um, maybe. I don't know. I don't want to speak for Brett. I never want to speak for Brett. Um, because sometimes I think I'll loan Brett something, I'll be like, I think you'll dig this, and he'll be like, No.
1: Like before he watches it, like he no, looks at the he'll, he'll, he's like, nah.
0: No, but like like uh a couple weeks ago we when we were talking about Casablanca, we talked about Citizen Kane and he watched half of that movie and was like, I'm out. Like couldn't yeah. couldn't do it. Whereas something that was more genre specific, like Touch of Evil, he really enjoyed. Yeah. Um so, I mean, there are – Marty, Uncle Marty's got some genre-specific stuff, but I don't know to what degree Brett has played in Uncle Marty's – Now, I know he tends to disagree with Uncle Marty with regard to the Marvel films, and that's
1: fine. To go on record, I don't agree with Scorsese as far as the Marvel films go. I get where he's coming from. I can empathize uh, because he's – real real old man and he loves doing a thing and it's going out of style and i get that but i think the main reason that i disagree with him is i don't think that it's as bad as he thinks it is Hmm. because there's so much content yes we've got marvel movies making billions at the box office but there's so many gems like not only coming out in theaters low-key but also on the streaming services people shit on streaming all the time but there's a lot of really great stuff like movies that go straight to streaming that are comparable some of them even to like Scorsese's stuff
0: like like The Irishman.
1: Mhm. Well, a Scorsese film itself
0: <laughs> direct to streaming, right? Um and and I mean like but then again, you know, to to his credit, I think I think it was the film Barbarian. Like Uncle Marty saw Barbarian and was like that was really good. That's cinema. And I was like damn straight uncle marty damn straight yeah i agree um i love that like, movie I, it's so good it's one of my favorites of last year for sure um but no i and so you know look i i have expressed my own marvel fatigue on this podcast many a time so i absolutely well, I get that too
1: i completely empathize with that like i understand your point of view and you know i get where you're coming from Sorry, but again, I, just wanted I to let you know that I empathize with you. But please continue.
0: I still want to own a T-shirt that says Martin Scorsese was right, and I want to wear it to every Marvel movie that I go see in theaters. Um That's just a thing that I want to have happen.
1: Well, I don't know if you're seeing the movie <laughs> in theaters, people might think that you're you're being silly because you know you're you're going. To I'm the not going to be seeing it opening
0: night. But here's the thing: like, I saw Thor I Love and streaming. Thunder. Like- i usually do i saw thor love Disney and thunder Plus. come on and i do i saw thor love and thunder in theaters and i was so underwhelmed by that like i just kind of was That's... like i don't need i can dip out on these like i i unless it's something i feel really strongly about like i'll just go online and read the spoilers and just be like okay what what happens in this movie uh okay i know the well, important me, stuff and i'll watch it when it comes out on streaming like who cares
1: yeah for me i thought Love and Thunder was one of those movies, like I mentioned, maybe last episode or the episode before. Um, it's like the Amazing Spider-Man 2 for me. Like, I, I really liked it the first time I watched it. But I I can't watch it anymore. It's the same with the new The Batman movie. Like, when I watched that movie the first time, I loved it. I started watching it the second time, and I'm like, oh my god, who cares? Like, turned it off, like, maybe 45 minutes in. I was like, <laughs> who gives a shit? Like... And it's the same with, uh, uh, like I said, Amazing Spider-Man 2 and mm-hmm. back to the point, Thor, Love and Thunder. I saw it the first time. I was entertained. I was There were shiny objects and I was looking at them, and having a good time. But like we were saying last episode, the more you watch a movie, the more you kind of see what's going on and you see behind the curtains. It's like when you visit a place as opposed to living there. Right. You visit a place, you're having a great time. You live there, yeah. you kind of see behind the curtain and you see the seediness that's going on or, you know.
0: The the less the, the you know the 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 in and in and out everyday realities of the thing that makes it maybe less conducive to the starry Id- ideal.
1: Yeah, and films like that are the same way. I think. Like, and maybe uh, maybe it was just
0: my Marvel out. fatigue, but I didn't really even I wasn't even really that entertained by Thor: Love and Thunder. I found a lot of the jokes really kind of easy, cheap, and low hanging fruit. I found the emotional through line really kind of tacked on. Um, with the exception of two performances, I was. I kind of thought everyone else was just sort of mailing it in. Um, Like I was generally underwhelmed by that movie on the whole um, and kind of wanted better from that movie. Um, But, and, but that's kind of how I feel about Marvel movies in general. Now, like Mm -hmm. friend of the show, Andrew Johnson kind of was like getting on my case on Twitter. Like what? You haven't seen black Panther Wakanda forever yet. And I'm like, I honestly, I'm not in any kind of hurry. He's like, you've had time. I was like, Oh, I'm aware. I just don't have i have time but not the desire uh and that's kind of where i land on on like the marvel films from here on out like i'm i'm looking at all the trailers for quantum mania and i'm just like okay cool like the next marvel film i'm legitimately excited to see is guardians of the galaxy volume 3 because those are honestly maybe the only marvel films that seem to have an authorial voice behind them that's not kevin feige
1: yeah well, and I, I think maybe with Thor: Love and Thunder, maybe they went a little too far with that. Maybe they gave Taiwa, Taika Waikiti maybe too much control. And uh, um, or maybe I love that dude, like the shows that he's done and the other films that he's done. I think he's hilarious. I think he's brilliant. But I think in this movie, he just. I don't think he really gave a shit enough and just wanted to fuck around with his friends. And you know? I think
0: that's, I think that comes across. Like I, I, there's not the attention to the story or, or the, the detail in the story that you really want. Like there's, it, it just, it feels lazy. It feels like, well, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting this paycheck one way or the other, so I can just fucking mail this in. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it doesn't feel like he really cares. Like this is, this is, this is his one for them. And it's not even a particularly good one for them. And honestly, this might be the last time that he and Marvel work together. And it see that seems pretty, I'd, pretty possible. I'd be okay
1: with that because I, I do like his original ideas.
0: I still haven't seen Jojo Rabbit. Um,
1: That's too bad. It's really, really good and you would love it. I, I probably would,
0: but I still haven't seen it. Um, and honestly, I don't think I've seen, I don't think I've seen any of his non-Marvel output. I probably should change Our that. Our flag point, means
1: though. death is on HBO Max and it's got what's his nuts from.
0: Restarting Darby.
1: The Concourse, yeah. That played their manager. Right. And it's really, really good.
0: The actor who away TD based his, um, his Korg performance on. To the extent <laughs> I that, see
1: that I never thought of that, but now I can. No, to the that, extent like, that friend yeah, of the
0: show, Samuel Dumas, honestly thought that um, it was Reese Darby voicing Korg until he saw the credits and realized it was Taika the whole time. But yeah, no, that that's Taika's Reese Darby impression is, is what Reece he's doing Darby for Korg.
1: is a New Zealand treasure.
0: He is. He's a New national trade. treasure of I the mean, nation of New Zealand. Anything,
1: yeah. I, I I haven't seen anything that he's in that I didn't like him in.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. So um,
1: charming.
0: Should we talk about the plot of Departed?
1: Nah, let's just wrap this up, Stephen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> let's just land this plane. We've come this far. Man, come
1: on. Who cares? Who this
0: cares? One. So yeah, um, let's go ahead and
1: do the plot real quick.
0: Let's go ahead and run through the plot of this film. So uh, for those of you joining us for the first time and wondering why the hell we're doing what we're doing, um, we usually, uh, usually within the first 20 to 30 minutes of the podcast, do a segment we call The Plot in 60 Seconds, where we, uh, at the behest of a coin, usually the coin of justice, although the coin of justice is still packed away because I got done moving in this month. Um, it's still in a box somewhere. I'm sorry. I will find it at some point, I'm sure. Uh, but we usually flip a coin. To determine which of us will re- uh, will recount the plot of the film that we are discussing in sixty seconds or less, without the coin of justice, Tucker has recovered another coin, which we will use in its stead. Um,
1: you remember this, Steven? You remember this? I have
0: no idea what you're doing when right you now. Put,
1: you'd put a stack of quarters on your elbow and then like catch him. That wasn't a thing you did, like when you were a kid.
0: Nope.
1: Never mind. Please continue.
0: <laughs> I apparently I was a little more easily amused. Um, <laughs> Still got it. Still got it. Look at you go. Um, so uh, Tucker is going to flip the coin and that will determine which of us will be recounting the plot of 2006's The Departed in 60 seconds or less. I will call it in the air.
1: You will call it. Okay. So wait, if you get it, you have to do it.
0: So if, if if I get it right, you have to do it. If I get it wrong, I have to
1: do it. Okay. I got to know which way to lie here.
0: <clears throat> okay I, I have
1: never once lied about the outcome of the coin of justice i just I want that to be clear. never um uh disclaimer this is not the coin of justice so i am not beholden to those statements all right steven let's do this this is completely it thing that's full of integrity let's go
0: oh damn you sir um call <laughs> it goes in the air doesn't matter
1: heads as you can see as proof i it, it is actually sales.
0: Oh, fuck. All right. Well, then let's do this. Okay. I am. So, I'm so relieved. I bet you are. All right. So go ahead and put 60 seconds on the clock for me then.
1: All right. Um, I will give you the customary 30 second and 10 second warnings. All right. The time. She starts. A now.
0: Uh, So the Whitey Bulger analog, Frank Costello, is uh, the head of the Boston Mob. Um, He meets a kid named Colin Sullivan, who he kind of helps raise and basically plants him as a spy inside the Massachusetts State Police. Uh, Meanwhile, there's another uh, guy, Billy Costigan, who is uh, also kind of grows up, wants to be a cop. His father uh, is the only good guy in his family. The rest are kind of a part of the Boston Mob. Uh, He is tasked by the state police to be a informant within uh, Costello's mob. So you've got a cop inside Costello's mob and a mobster inside of the uh, police department. Um, there's uh, there's an FBI or, I'm sorry, the FBI is involved. Basically the cops are trying to get uh, into Costello's crew. There's microprocessors. Costello is apparently an FBI informant. There's a, um, a a police psychiatrist who's like, falls for both uh, Costigan and uh, Sullivan. Um, 10 seconds. Eventually everybody dies except for Mark Wahlberg who uh, shoots
1: Matt Damon in the head. Oh, that's the beep. And before he shoots him in the said in the head, he says, say hi to your mother for me. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that would just really cap that film. That up, would I'd really make what. that
0: incredible. I don't know why the say hi to your mother for me became the thing that Andy Samberg's <laughs> Mark Wahlberg either. said, but I kind of love but that it fits. Is.
1: It fits.
0: It does. Well, remarkably well. Um, like this movie is it's like a two and a half hour long film, but honestly, I feel like there's not a lot of fat on this movie. like I feel like it, it it it's one of those movies with a long running time that I feel like needs to have that running time. and I feel that way about very few movies these days, but I feel like this one is is one of the ones that earns its running time.
1: Well, there aren't a lot of movies that don't move the plot forward in every scene. Mm-hmm. I think I said that wrong. You know what I mean. Like I no, like you said, there's no fat. Mm-hmm. Like every, every scene pushes it forward. There's it's, no standing around. You know, it's all there.
0: It's in service to the larger narrative. Every scene, every character, every bit of dialogue is in service of the larger narrative. Nothing's the themes incidental. of the story. Exactly. It's all there for a reason. And again, mm-hmm. that's one of those things that I think Uncle Marty is fairly good at. Like he's a good storyteller.
1: Oh, yeah. I think he wrote the book on that kind of for modern cinema, honestly. Legitimately.
0: Like he's very good at this. Uh, This is the thing he does very, very well. Um, And so to see him doing it on this scale, and again, it's, it's him. This is because Marty did not win the Oscar for Raging Bull, because he didn't win it for Goodfellas, because he didn't win it for Gangs of New York. It feels like this is the movie he kind of has to win it for, because this is one of his last, quote unquote, returns to form. Like, he's kind of doing this scuzzy mob movie, not set in New York this time. In fact, this time, instead, it's set in the city of Boston, not the city he's kind of known for, not the city he's associated with. Um, but it feels like a movie only Martin Scorsese can make. And well, for that reason... That... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I
1: was going to say I can, I can appreciate that that difference, though. It's nice to have... A Scorsese film that is kind of outside of his comfort zone, uh, geographically speaking. And you, and I you think see you him doing that the in this difference. stage of his like, career. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. In The Departed, like, that's. That's a Boston movie. It's a Scorsese movie, but it's a Boston movie. And exactly. that's not something you see very often in Scorsese films. They often take place in the city, in New York City.
0: You, you, and you see him doing that a lot more, I think, after Gangs of New York. Because after that, you've got The Aviator, which is largely set in Hollywood. You've got The yep. Departed, set in Boston. Shutter Island, set on an island. Um, you've got uh, Hugo, set in France. Wolf of Wall Street, which that one, I guess, is kind of set in and around New York. Yeah, uh, that they, one might like, be the outlier. All
1: over the world and stuff. Right. Like, like there's uh, many scenes where they're deaf. They're off somewhere in like Jamaica or something or Thailand.
0: Right. And then you've got um, silence, which is set in Japan. Uh, and then you've got um, the well, Cape
1: fear is in California, right?
0: Probably. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, but I mean, look, uh, I but for, for most of his pr- pr- prior career, most of his work had been set in and around New York city. And he, he gets more intentionally away from that in the later, I would say within the last 20 years of his career in a, in what I think are very interesting ways, because like Kundun is not set in New York casino, not set in New York, age of innocence, not set in New York, Cape fear, not set in New York. Goodfellas. Absolutely is last temptation of Christ. Obviously not color. of
1: Absolutely is no,
0: but (laughs) But then you've got like Taxi Driver and New York, New York and Mm -hmm. Raging Bull and the King of Comedy and After Hours, which are all these kind of quintessentially New York film, mean streets quintessentially
1: New York film. Yeah, they're like New York movies. Like he does that well. He captures the city well.
0: And I think that's because he is himself a lifelong New Yorker. But yeah, I think obviously. one of, obviously, I think one of the interesting things about him, though, is that while so often, I mean, I just ran through like his movies that aren't, he spends most of the 90s and most of the 2000s and 2010s and 2020s outside of New York. But we still kind of associate him with that city. Um, yeah. He, But again, that's why he's a good storyteller is he's not confined. And, and here's the thing, even though while this is this might be a film about gangsters it's still not a film about gangsters in the way that Goodfellas is a film about gangsters in a way that mean streets is a film about gangsters. Like he's, he's using this trope, this type in the way the Irishman is a film about gangsters. He's using kind of these familiar settings and these familiar tropes to present new stories and new ideas. This is the genre that he is working in, but it's not the only genre in which he works. And it also, if if you think The Departed and Goodfellas are like a one-for-one, one, you obviously haven't seen The Goodfellas and The Departed because they're clearly not the same thing. Like, he's doing very different things here as he's doing in The Irishman, as he's doing in Mean Streets. Like, he's doing very different things inside this genre. This is just a genre in which he clearly has something to say, whether it's because he knows people like this or not. Like, he tends to cash Pesci in a lot of these movies, and Pesci is someone who um is allegedly tied to um the mob. Um he says pushing his f- finger yeah. against his nose. Like Pesci couldn't tell you what these gangsters actually thought of Jimmy Hoffa uh because he knew these guys. <laughs> like
1: Yeah. Well, and I think I think Scorsese is he grew up, he had to have grown up in new york city i don't I don't know anything about him, but I feel like I can assume these things because
0: he's born in Queens, yeah, he's a new yorker,
1: well he's i mean he's like the kid from the neighborhood who made good, you know, like he seems that like that kind of guy who kind of came from right those sort of humble beginnings. maybe he saw this kind of stuff when he was growing up.
0: I mean, know? who's that knocking at my door and mean streets both feel like very personal stories on some level. I don't think Scorsese himself was a bad kid. I think he was this, I mean, he was a devoutly Catholic, but I think, and I think while some of his friends were out causing mischief and trouble, he was like the kid who like would read or would like train to like consider training for the priesthood. Like that was kind of where his interests lied. And part of it was his, his desire to be a storyteller. So he became attracted to cinema. Like I'm sure his parents would give him like a nickel or a quarter to go see, you know, the mo- and he would camp out at the movies. The man has an encyclopedic knowledge of film that is unparalleled in any country. Um, the man has done more for the preservation of global cinema than probably any single man in human history, like that, at least that I know of. I'll qualify that statement. But the man is absolutely... If you listen to Martin Scorsese, like honestly, people, get you someone that talks about you the way Martin Scorsese talks about movies. Um, mm-hmm. because that is the clearly the man's first love. Um, he was he was Ingrid Bergman's son-in-law at one point. Um, he both he and David Lynch, speaking of, of David Lynch, both married Isabella Rossellini at one point. Twinsies. Twinsies, Bobsies, baby. Um But like the man, the man is a absolute lover of cinema and it comes like, like you Google like Martin Scorsese talking about movies and you, if you can find a Martin Scorsese talking about movies, supercut on the YouTubes, uh, you're going to have a good time
1: because that
0: he just, you just get to sit and I'm, I'm someone who loves listening to people talk about things they're passionate about. I could have no interest in the subject whatsoever, but if you're passionate about it, I want to just sit there and listen to why you love the thing you love. Like it is one of my favorite things to listen to people who are passionate talk about things they're passionate about. And that is one reason why I absolutely love listening to Uncle Marty talk about movies because it is the thing he is clearly in love with most in all the world. And he talks about it so eloquently, so beautifully, so articulately, so passionately that you cannot help but want to go out and see all these movies and he'll just drop them. He's like, uh, you know, movies like this or this, and he'll just d- drop them the movie, the year, the director. Like, he can just list like 10 things about the movie and why it had why why it was so influential to him or why he loves it so much, or this one particular shot in the movie that he's modestly obsessed with. Like, the man loves the movies, and I think that has to be taken into consideration when you hear him talking about. The Marvel films, not to not to come back to this old chestnut, but you kind of have to take that into consideration when you hear him talk because the man loves movies. And so and I think that's part of the reason why he's never really made a bad one, at least not that you or I have seen, because the the man loves these things so much. Every film is a love letter to cinema in one way or another. The man knows what he's doing. Folks, kids, listen to Uncle Marty. Uncle Marty knows what he's talking about. This man Uncle has devoted Marty, his entire life to this art form. He knows more about it than you think you do.
1: And he's still hungry. Mm-hmm. He's still, he never stopped being hungry. No. Like this man has made consistently perfect films from the time he started until I'm assuming now Steven says the Irishman is good. I believe that. Uh,
0: Irishman's great. And my, fa- again, my favorite film of 2019.
1: Well I'm glad that you brought up the Marvel stuff again because that's how I kind of empathize with him even though I don't agree because I you can feel even like I have a like I said at the beginning of this podcast I have a lot of problems with this film but I still really like this film because it's a good film and I think a lot of that comes from just how much Scorsese puts in how much passion he puts into his films like you can mm-hmm. feel it like and I don't know that's why he's one of those directors where even his worst film is better than most anybody's best film.
0: Right. Right. And, and again, it's, it's that level of passion. It's that level of hunger. Like it
1: comes through. You can feel it. Like you
0: absolutely can. And if you, and if you don't, I don't know what, I I don't know how I can help you. Like I, I question whether or not you love movies. If you can't like sit down and just like feel the raw passion of uncle Marty coming off the screen at you, I don't know and maybe that maybe that's maybe i'm wrong to say that i can i can feel brett pushing back on that (laughs) statement already he's not here but i can i can feel him going well actually brett
1: Brett, we feel you in our souls
0: we love you man you are here with us we we hope you get back from boston safe and sound and you don't get shot in the head like leo and matt
1: please don't because it's just so abrupt and disturbing
0: and i don't want that for you
1: no one wants that
0: no Oh, now we're sad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, Brad, don't go. Um.
0: So, I mean, we talked about Wahlberg again. I think this might be Mark Wahlberg's best performance ever. Uh, We talked about Jack Nicholson. Uh, I love the uh, there. There are two two authentic Bostonians in this movie. You got Marky Mark, and then you got Matt Damon, who I think is one too. Right? Is he? I thought they were I thought the Baldwins were New Yorkers.
1: I don't know. They put him in all those they put Alec Baldwin in all those Boston movies, man. He's um, in as many as the Affleck he, boys.
0: He is from Massapequa. Which is in New York. He is not an he is not a native Massachusetts.
1: That might be near Boston though. I mean I don't know where that is on the map, but there are Your parts eye. of New York that are very close to Boston, including sure. New York City. New York City is actually, like, less than, I think, less than three hours.
0: Okay. Um, uh-huh. I've been to both Boston and New York City, but not in the same week, so I couldn't tell you. Um, at the
1: same time.
0: Not at the same time. Um, but, um, but um, so you've got, Matt, there is a part of me, and I put this on Twitter the other day. And I don't, I didn't get much response of it because I never do. Um, but the, I love the notion that you, and you won't, this would never happen because it's Martin Scorsese, but the departed, but instead of Leonardo DiCaprio, it's Ben Affleck. And so you get Affleck and Damon kind of going head to head in a way that they've never done on film before, uh, which and I, I think find.
1: Affleck would kill that role too. Like,
0: right. Right. I mean, no
1: disrespect to Leo because. No, Leo none. no. So Leo's fantastic. Well. But Affleck would have been the bomb in the departed, yo.
0: Just like he was in Phantoms.
1: <laughs> yes. Phantoms like a <laughs> motherfucker.
0: <laughs> no, but that was that was kind of my takeaway last night as I was watching this. I was like, I love Leo. Like I no disrespect to what Leo's doing. But how much would this movie so you've got your Ian McShane instead of instead of Jack Nicholson? I've got my what if Ben Affleck instead of Leo DiCaprio. And honestly, I don't know if better movie, but different movie that still would have been fucking awesome like i would have i i would have paid to see that movie that version of it would this have movie.
1: touched my heart it mm-hmm. would have touched my heart warmed my cockles go at it like that yeah
0: right yeah
1: Wilders. and it i hope it, next time i jump timelines that both of things those things are true that ian mcshane replaces jack nicholson and that ben affleck replaces Leonardo DiCaprio. i'll let you know
0: right I'll let um you know. Yeah, I and again I, I because again, you've got that level of authenticity here. Again, not saying that Leo's doing a bad job. Honestly, I think Leo's oh, fantastic. Leo, Leo's doing great here. Mm-hmm. Um and, and again, I, I don't think you could that Scorsese would have cast anyone other than Leo because Leo is his late stage muse, like in the way that Bobby De Niro was his early he's muse. his new De Niro, yeah. Right. So the, you know, the way you've got De Niro in kind of all those early Scorsese movies, um you've got kind of DiCaprio showing up in all of the all of the later ones. Pretty much from Gangs of New York on, it's DiCaprio. And then from I would say I think it's from Taxi Driver was he in Mean Streets?
1: Through, through Ta- Cape Fear.
0: No, through Casino.
1: Well, yeah. Yeah. Sorry.
0: No, you're That's fine. That's
1: my bad, Steven.
0: You're fine, buddy. It's okay. <laughs> I've just happened to have his filmography. Oh, no, I'm sorry. From Mean Streets, because he is in Mean Streets. So from Mean Streets up through Casino. See, we can both fuck up. It's fine. Um, you I, you from know, mean I Streets really wish, casino,
1: if I can interject just a tiny bit here. Yeah, go for I it. I wish, because in between Casino and Gangs of New York, guess what comes out?
0: Your favorite Scorsese film, Bringing Out the Dead.
1: What if there was a Nick Cage era? What if we had four or five Nick Cage movies? Martin Scorsese. Mm-hmm. I mean, once you see Bringing Out the Dead, I feel you'll you'll be even more passionate about what I'm saying. I'm just no, saying they work I, really well together.
0: There, he does two movies in between Casino and Gangs of New York, and it's Kundun and Bringing Out the Dead. And I honestly, I could see Nick Cage doing something in Gangs of New York. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. But but again, he's not the guy you cast as one of the leads in that movie. I don't think he's I don't think he's your Bill the Butcher.
1: Well, and there's nothing there's nothing after that that I could see him in either. I, I'm and, I'm saying like completely different. Like,
0: right. If if Scorsese's don't exist, career yes. trajectory went a different way. Yeah, I can absolutely see that happening because that's and honestly, that's considered a low point for both Scorsese and for Cage in the popular public consciousness, and I from that's from what i've
1: bullshit stephen that's from what no
0: movie. from what i've heard that is kind of the underseen underrated gem of scorsese's career so that is one that i it's honestly been on my to watch list for a long time
1: so good he's untethered in this film scorsese and nick cage like
0: i was going to say nick cage untethered we've seen but scorsese untethered i'm actually very interested to see
1: yes it's you know i take back what i said about a nick cage era because all I need is bringing out the dead. I've just come to realize, because it's it's just really perfect. Watch it right now. Again, anyone who hasn't seen it, stop this podcast and watch Bringing Out the Dead, please. For the love of God. Um.
0: Yeah. Um. I, I do need to watch that movie, so I will I will have to go seek that one out for sure. Um, I hope
1: I'm not overselling it. I don't. Want you, you probably to go, are. Like
0: I'm going to be really uh... disappointed when I see it. I can already tell.
1: Because really you've
0: just set the bar so high. No. Oh Look, man. I'm I'm gonna go into it as objectively as I can. Look, I I already love Uncle Marty. Like again, I've enjoyed every movie of his that I've seen on some level or another. Like so, I would absolutely. I could see myself one day just doing a Scorsese watch through and just watching every Scorsese movie back to back. Why not? From I, I think I tried to do it during the pandemic and I didn't get very far. Um. But from "Who's That Knocking at My Door" all the way up through "The Irishman," like it just feels it's a, it's a long list of films, but I think it's a very it would probably be a very worthwhile endeavor. And again, a look at one of the master the modern masters
1: of the craft. Um, to you got to sure. space them out though. You got to space them out because you need time to digest.
0: That's I probably a like good point. Yeah, you're not,
1: you're not you can't sit down and like watch a whole day of Scorsese films like you the human. Body, I don't think could handle that. Like God, can you even? You need to digest each one for a week. I'd okay. say that's fair. That's just how I usually do. I don't really like binge watching anything, like even TV shows. I try to like put a week in between them because that was, when I binge watch them, I don't mm-hmm. remember anything that happens.
0: That was all I did during the pandemic, dude. Is I do you during, remember during any lockdown? of those shows? No, it was movies, man. I watched over four hundred <laughs> movies that year.
1: Oh my God, do you remember any of them?
0: Yeah, I remember if I remember some, yeah.
1: A few of
0: yeah. <laughs> a handful, yeah. One or two.
1: I'm not I'm not anti-binge. It's just uh it's just not for me. It's just I mean, not diff- how I get down, Stephen,
0: Different strokes to move the world, sucker. That's true. As previously mentioned, different strokes to move the world. Yeah. Um but damn it. I no, I love the departed. I think this movie is very good. Um, is it the best Martin Scorsese movie? Not by a long shot, but it is still friggin' great um like it it's hard to argue with with uncle marty and his ability to really capture certain aspects of the human emotion or of the human emotional spectrum like the man's just very good at what he does um i we have not even mentioned the the parallels to the uh the boston winter hill gang um jack nicholson being of course a very thinly veiled uh version of whitey bulger in this movie like scorsese taking the basic template set by internal affairs and putting it against the real life boston mob and then tweaking it just enough to make it fictitious um while still making it incredibly compelling i mean that's that's kind of a masterstroke. that's really good agreed um but yeah no i i love this movie i think it is great
1: me too um should i should i talk about the bullet points in my notes that i have yeah let's
0: up? let's yeah <laughs> i was gonna say know i know you
1: have with this movie list? i know
0: you've got your litany of issues that we've really not even scratched the surface of and we're about no, an hour no. and a half into this so we should probably hit actually those.
1: we've gotten most of them i have here cinematography uninspired Barry talked about that. We talked about that. Forgettable soundtrack or forgettable score. Talked about that. Talked about that. Needle drops are repetitive and basic. Talked about that. Talked about that. Um, Oh, here's one that Mm. doesn't matter to anyone for any reason, but Comfortably Numb by Pink Floyd is in this movie. Mm -hmm. And it's a terrible version. It's real, real bad. Like I don't, I don't like Roger Waters. I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come out and be clear wow. with you here, Stephen. I do not like Roger Waters as a person.
0: Okay, fair if enough. If I
1: saw him in public, I would not wave at him or say hello. Um, that's a long story, but I don't like Roger Waters, but fair I do enough. like Floyd. Sure. And uh, why would you put that in a movie? Do you know what I'm talking about? It just—I
0: don't think it worked here. I, I I don't it's think real, that used again, as much as I liked um, the soundtrack in this film, particularly compared to um, what we, what we dealt with last week. Um, I didn't like that version of comfortably numb.
1: Mm. And see, that was after Roger Waters, like kind of, he was always kind of a whiny pig headed, egotistical piece of shit but don't
0: pull was... any punches tucker tell us how you really feel
1: <laughs> this was after like he had realized he could get away with that so mm-hmm. he's just he's just doing his thing man even if it's stupid and everybody hates it which is this version of this song the bullet point for this talking point just says fucking roger waters <laughs> touche <laughs> that's the whole... Uh, What else do I have on here? Uh, We talked about Irish punk and how it's bullshit for posers. We talked about Ian McShane. Uh, I think this is my last one because that was my whole list. I think the editing's a bit lazy. I think it's really evident in the sound editing. I don't know if that's the sound editor's fault or if that's the film editor's fault, but there were many times where the audio transitions between scenes uh were just abruptly bad well sound editing and film editing, editing it or was no thanks
0: <laughs> sound editing and film editing are two very different things there were a lot of abrupt endings to a lot of the needle drops that were jarring and again i'm not sure if that was intentional or not it seems like it would be it doesn't seem like the kind of
1: thing uncle marty would leave in the movie unless it was however the film that's editing something he does a couple times though you don't do it like that's why i said that it's kind of lazy because it's just kind of the same thing over and over and over like there was the a same moment kind of transitions and it's the same with the cinematography you just have the same shots over and over there's nothing new nothing interesting is happening there was a moment where i had
0: to pause people. the movie to walk to step away and it was in the middle of a song and when i hit uh, when i unpause the movie to play it again i got maybe a note and a half of the actual song. And then it was that abrupt, very jarring ending of the song. And I almost didn't realize it was that that was what happened because that was happened to be where I paused the movie.
1: And it doesn't seem to have any, like make any difference. Like normally if you do something like that, when you cut abruptly like that, it's for a reason like, Mm -hmm. but this just seemed like, Oh, we're just going to do that. Like there's no payoff. We're just, we're just going to do it. Cause that's a thing, I guess. Cause we can't be bothered to do our jobs. Like, now,
0: I know. now, and again, sound editing, very different from film editing. Uh, his, the Scorsese's constant film editor, uh, Thelma Schoonmaker, uh, has won three different Oscars for her work in film editing, all four Scorsese films. She won for raging bull, the aviator, and for this film, the departed, um, And was also nominated for a non-Scorsese film, Woodstock. Or was that the one that... I think Scorsese worked on that one, but didn't actually direct it. Um, Then you've got... She was nominated for Goodfellas, Gangs of New York, Hugo, and The Irishman as well. So um, all but one of her Oscars nominations have come from Scorsese films. And she's won three. So, I mean, she's a very accomplished She was previously married to Michael Powell of the of Powell and Pressburger fame, two very uh famous British directors from the 40s and 50s, uh who directed like The Red Shoes and the The Life and Death of Colonel Blimp. Um Michael Powell also directed Peeping Tom, the movie that did kind of helped kick off the slasher phase like a month before Psycho, but was seen as like it made Alfred Hitchcock's career, but like completely destroyed Michael Powell's um because it was considered obscene and lurid. Um having seen both films, no um, black narcissist, another Palin Pressburger film, like Palin Pressburger highly recommend. Um, but like, again, like she is kind of the stalwart behind a lot of Scorsese's films and is, I think part of the reason why a lot of them work as well. So I, the film editing, I, I, I don't think is the issue. I think the sound editing is, I think more where you have the problem.
1: Well, and I wonder, if, like I said, I wonder if that's intentional And I I do realize that sound editing and film editing are two completely different things, but they're like, they're like a rhythm section. They're like a drummer and a bass player, you know, like Mm -hmm. they're doing two different things, but they're, they have to do it together. Right. So I don't know. I'm not trying to put blame on anybody. I'm just saying that I don't know if that was on purpose. Uh, If it was, I'm not really on board with it.
0: But well, like and- I've said
1: a million times already, I I still love this film. I'm just saying I have some qualms.
0: And 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 I think that's fair. Like this film was not recognized by the Academy for sound editing or sound mixing. Uh, neither one of those were deemed worthy of of nomination. So maybe maybe the Academy feels the same way you do, Tucker. Who knows?
1: Maybe I don't really respect too much about what they do, but you know. If we agree, that's some kind of validation, right? I
0: think sometimes they get it right, and sometimes they really don't. Um, I think most times they really don't, quite frankly.
1: Sometimes it's easy to hit the broad side of a barn. Right.
0: Like Parasite, glad they gave Parasite Best Picture, but they didn't do themselves any favors by giving it to Green Book right after that.
1: No. Strangely enough, I agree that uh, Parasite should have won Best Picture, Still not a movie I enjoy.
0: Um, honestly, a hard film to enjoy. I think it is a very good film, but it is not one that I find particularly enjoyable because
1: I did not like it.
0: Hot damn, that film is uncomfortable, and I think it's supposed to be.
1: Well, and, and, and not in a way to me that was engaging. Like, like, I get it. Like I said, I think it deserved Best Picture. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. For me, it was that I didn't have anyone to empathize with I hated all of the characters. I thought yep. they were all garbage people. Correct. And I just I need just maybe just one person. Just and they don't even have to be like in the main cast. Just give me one person just kind of cling with. But no. That's why I couldn't get down with it. And I realized that 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 was probably a conscious choice and that's part of what makes it a great film. It's just it's not for me.
0: Not for you. And that's and again, I when I find a film I don't particularly enjoy, that's usually the criticism I try to levy. It's not for me. Unless it's just like objectively, actively bad. Like, look, I will tell you Clerks 3 objectively, not a great film, but I, but I, it moved me in a way that few films last year did.
1: It's, it's made a lot of worst of lists at the end of the year last year, but I thought it was fine. Again, like I said, I need to reassess it, but like Mm -hmm. I both loved it and hated it at different points. So it's fine for me.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, for me, objectively bad. Um, but did it, but did it, it, did it speak to me in a way that few films last year did? Yeah, absolutely. And again, those reasons are my own and I will not get into them here. Uh, probably not behind the paywall either. Like if you know me, you might know. And if you don't, you probably will never, but that's fine. Um, but all that having been said, like, I don't know, uh, you can like a movie. It's okay to like a movie. It's okay not to like a movie. Um, but for me, in my house, we stand Mar- Uncle Marty and we stand The Departed because this film, mm-hmm. one of one of only three Scorsese movies I saw in theaters, the others being um, The Aviator and Shutter Island are the three Scorsese films that I've seen in theaters. But I might start need to make it a point to go see more Uncle Marty films in theaters, provided that he makes more if films that go to theaters. Yeah, yeah.
1: I do like that Netflix has been giving its bigger films um, like short theatrical runs because it does give the people who are really into it, like what they did with Glass Onion. Like, mm-hmm. that's enough time for anybody that's super into it, that absolutely really needs to see that in the theater. That's enough time for them to go see it.
0: I really wanted to. I just I couldn't make the timing work this this time, um, which bummed me the fuck out. Um, uh, let's talk real quick about the sequel, what the sequel to this movie would have been if from from all accounts from what I've read. It's probably going to fo- it was probably going to focus on Mark Wahlberg's character, uh, which makes sense because he's his is the standout performance. And also he's everyone kind of else is dead. Left. Right. Everyone else it's dies. him and Alec
1: Baldwin. Like, that's right. all you've got left of the main characters.
0: And really, who the fuck else do you need? Um Right. Um, but it would have probably focused on him. I don't know that the Internal Affairs trilogy is really a great like, way to go on uh, because, again, the Internal Affairs 2 is a prequel and then Internal Affairs 3 is kind of a prequel sequel.
1: Well, in the so... way it's described in the plot description, it seems like the sequel is kind of covered via a few montages at the beginning of this film. Um, all three mm. films were released uh, if i'm not wrong here they were all released i think 2003 is when the last one came out so all three of them had come out when this movie yeah. came out so i think um with the dude what wrote the screenplay to this that adapted it i think he may have just kind of adapted the best parts of all three movies mm. that's kind of the, the i i kind of get that from reading the plot synopsis of course i haven't seen the film so i can't really speak sure. to it but that's kind of i how think it
0: means. If I'm not mistaken, I believe all 3 are now currently on the Criterion Collection. I think the like the, there's a box set of the Internal Affairs um trilogy on on the Criterion Collection now. I could be wrong. I think I read that.
1: Well, shoot. If it's good enough for a Criterion, it's good enough for me.
0: Um Yes, the Infernal Affairs trilogy. It is uh, available on Criterion. You can get all three discs on Blu-ray for a hundred dollars, or if you get them on the Criterion website
1: for eighty dollars. You know, I may it may make me sound like a boutique Blu-ray snob, but uh, that kind of motivates me a little more to want to see those films. I um, synopsis I was like, eh, I don't know, but like if Criterion's do it, I I, I trust that. I'm like uh, and, something that I may not like it, but it's going to be good.
0: The other thing that I really love that makes me want to see the originals is that it's got Tony lung in them. And I think that guy is fucking incredible.
1: I don't know that guy. Who's that guy?
0: Tony long. Oh, he's like one of the best like Hong Kong actors there is man. He's
1: what's he in that. I would see. Well, I would have seen.
0: Uh, He's in the Lee film in the mood for love. Uh, He's in the King express, which is a movie. I absolutely adore um park chan wook's the grand master uh he was in he, he was uh the mandarin and shang chi in the legend of the ten rings um like the man is just an absolutely in- lust caution um another Ang Lee film uh or no Ang Lee didn't do in the mood for love that was um that was one car why i'm such a fucking idiot um one car is in the mood for love um Ang Lee's lust caution that's it um but he's in the first and third uh installments of I've been calling it the internal affairs it's the infernal affairs trilogy. I'm a dummy. Uh-huh. No, um, it makes
1: sense the way you said it.
0: It's I'm, an easy
1: mistake to make, I imagine.
0: I'm such an idiot. Guys, forgive, forgive me. You. I'm I don't know why anyone listens to this podcast, but I'm glad you do. Um but yeah, so I mean the man but again, most of his films are uh Hong Kong. He's he's had some crossover uh, into American cinema. And I think what has crossed over, he's just, he's, he's incredible. Like man is a great actor. So if you're not familiar with Tony lung, get on the Tony lung bandwagon. Cause that dude is legit.
1: I'm not, I think the only movie in that list that you just listed out that I saw was Shang Chi, which I thought was fun, but not intensely engaging enough that I remember really anything that happened.
0: I think he and, um, uh Michelle Yeoh are the two best parts of that movie and that's not surprising. Um that that's that's not a that's not a controversial opinion to have I don't think. Um Michelle Yeoh one of the best performances of 2022 also with um everything everywhere all at once. Um
1: which was a movie I did not particularly care for, but uh, it's you a and, real, real good movie.
0: It's it's a great movie. I think you and Brett are kind of on the same page and not caring for that film, whereas it's the best film of last year in my mind. So that's 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 the thing I I'm taking home with me. But yeah,
1: I understand that opinion because, like I said, it is an amazing film. Just not my thing for some reason. Sure.
0: I mean, I felt leaving that theater, and I saw it with Brett. Brett and I saw that film together. Um, leaving that theater, I felt the way I imagine people felt when they left the theater after having seen The Matrix. Like, I felt like I'd seen something very paradigm-shifting. It felt very incredible, very real, very engaging, very... Something that's going to propel the medium of cinema forward.
1: Um, Well, shit, now I'm jealous. I want to like it that much. Should I watch it again?
0: I don't know, dude, if you want to.
1: You know what? I've found... That I can appreciate things more if I experience them with people who are excited about it. Like I used to date this girl that was way into anime, and I can't stand anime, man. Not my thing. But like, we watched a couple of those real dumbass shows, and like, I was into it because she was so into it, dude. Right? Yeah. Like you kind of that passion kind of rubs off, and you're again, like, I don't it's like this, but listening like, to oh,
0: people right? talk about the things they're passionate about, like it, yeah. it's there's something infectious about it. Like you, you. Even if it's something you know you don't have much interest in, like you kind of want to be interested in it because of how interested that person is in it. Like I absolutely understand what you're talking about
1: there. I'm but- saying that's why what we need to do, <laughs> uh, Mad Content Czar, mm. is we need to do a commentary for everything, everywhere, all at once. I Just and I you know this idea it. started out as as me inviting you to watch the film with me virtually but then it evolved to like well why don't we just talk about it too while we're watching it yeah i'm saying i don't know I'm, when i don't care when just eventually
0: i'm i'm the i'm the mad content czar brett is the slightly pissed content czar you are the like
1: unhinged unhinged
0: content content
1: beast. <laughs> like I'm like uh, the the monster in the on the in the 90s toy the blue monster with the chains that you'd get the doll
0: my pet monster yeah
1: yeah that's me right i'm that content yeah, person
0: you are in in a way that i think will do, will only help propel this podcast forward um the departed fucking great movie uh, go fucking see the departed if you haven't already um it was earlier while this you're at
1: it just watch any any Martin Scorsese film that you can get your hands on honestly, honestly there's not a stinker in the bunch
0: No go go listen to Uncle Marty kids he knows what he's talking about Um The Departed opens on uh October the 6th of 2006 uh it opens Two it opens at number one to twenty six point nine million dollars uh on its way to earning hundred and thirty two point four domestic another hundred and fifty seven point three world or international for a grand total of two hundred and eighty nine point seven worldwide um
1: it did okay hey it, send yeah send that to your mother
0: hey say hey to your mother for me
1: hey did all right did okay it did all right
0: Uh, In number two, Tucker, um, a movie in a franchise that we have discussed over on the Patreon, Uh, a late stage entry, though, a prequel to a remake. Uh, It is uh, 2006's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, colon, The Beginning. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Those those later Texas Chainsaw movies don't do it for me.
1: Speaking of Texas Chainsaw, and you know how I was just quoted as saying on a couple different films that I think that they are amazing films, deserving of all the love and credit that they get, but I don't like them. Mm -hmm. I have the opposite to say about the most recent Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. That movie sucked, but I had so much fun watching it and I would watch it again.
0: If you want to hear my thoughts on the on the 2022 Texas Chainsaw Massacre film, uh head on over to our friends at The Pod and the Pendulum. Uh, they actually cover what? that entire franchise. And I was on on, it,
1: on that one.
0: On that episode, I was on two episodes in that franchise, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, my second favorite of the franchise and uh Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022.
1: Bug Um, me until I listen to that. Like text me every other day and be like, "Hey, did you listen to that yet?" Because I don't want to. I want to listen to it, but I'm going to forget.
0: You should also listen to the text, the episode of Texas Chainsaw Two that I was on. Because I, I'm into that.
1: It's kind of divisive film. I was going to say, I
0: I know you dig that movie, and I do too. So I figure you'll you'll get it. You'll get into that. Um, uh, the number three movie, a movie, um, that somehow got so many sequels, even though the original voice actors never returned to uh to play. The lead role Is roles. it the Land Before Time? It is Open Season. We're a little late for Land Before Time.
1: There are uh, fifteen land at last time I'm counting fifteen Land Before Time films. Good lord, there are almost
0: land. as many Open Season films. Like yeah. Uh, in Which
1: fourth place, the second one.
0: This is the first Open Season. Oh, okay. The OG Open Season in fourth place. A little movie called Employee of the Month, starring Dane Cook and Jessica Simpson. Um. A movie I think I've seen, but have completely forgotten and blocked out of my memory by the grace of God.
1: Does that um, have Steve Zahn in it too?
0: Oh God, you're gonna ask me who else was in it after I close that. Because there were
1: two, there were two movies that came out in like a five-year period called Employee of the Month, and they were both very similar. And the one with Steve Zahn was really good. And no, that one came out in 2004 and had Matt Dillon in it. Yeah,
0: I was going to say, this doesn't have Steve Zahn, but it does have Andy Dick. So,
1: 2004's Employee of the Month, if I remember correctly, because the last time I saw it was 2004 when it came out, is a fun time.
0: Okay. Um, but yeah, the Dan Cook movie, as I recall, not. Um, and then uh, in fifth place, um, speak- <laughs> speaking of uh, a, a director and actor that I don't particularly care for, uh, The Kevin Costner, Ashton Kutcher ah. film, The Guardian.
1: Otherwise um, known as Who Gives a Shit?
0: Correct. That one directed not by Costner, but by Andrew Davis. Although I'm told that even on films he doesn't direct, Costner is effectively the director. Uh, rounding out Edward our top...
1: Nortoning it up in there. Mm-hmm. Getting this Eddie Norton on. <laughs> uh,
0: rounding out our top ten. In sixth place, we have Jackass number two. Uh, School for Scoundrels, Jet Li's Fearless gridiron gang and in 10th place speaking of eddie norton the illusionist illusions michael um but yeah that is our top 10 um yeah um not a great top 10 but there you go um not
1: a lot to choose from there that's uh of any quality Mm -mm. in any quality i didn't say it sounded like i said inequality (laughs) But I've said any Quality
0: uh, the Tomatometer score on The Departed is a 90% certified fresh. The Critics' Consensus, featuring outstanding work from an excellent cast, The Departed is a thoroughly engrossing gangster drama with the gritty authenticity and soupy morality we come to expect from Martin Scorsese. Uh, it is a Metacritic must-see with an 85 rating on Metacritic, universal acclaim based on 39 critic reviews, and the Letterboxd score on this one is a 4 4- Point two. Tucker, out of five stars, how do you rate Martin Scorsese's The Departed?
1: Oh, gosh. You know what? It's not quite a 3.5, and it's not quite a 4. Can I have, like, a 3.75? Is that a thing I can do? Judges? 3.7. You? Okay. Yep. They're going to allow
0: it. Yeah. Nice. Nice. All right. Uh, whereas for me, it's a 4.5. Damn near perfect. Um, yeah, yeah. Not, not quite there, but damn near. Um, yeah, it's a movie I love. Uh cannot, uh, cannot say enough good about it. Uh, also, the next time a Criterion flash sale comes up, I'll probably end up buying the Infernal Affairs trilogy on Blu-ray.
1: And then immediately let me borrow it.
0: Mm, honestly, I could probably rip it onto my Google Drive, so you could watch it there.
1: That would be amazing. Uh,
0: but that's friends, is... Oh, 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 we do. Tucker, I almost forgot... Um, we got some mail this week.
1: Did we? But wait, we before we get to did. the mail, should we should we do the thing that you haven't been doing, but now you're doing it, so shut up. Oh yeah. Possible. Yeah, What's the that? uh
0: the thing we should have been doing from the beginning, but now we are and better late than never and shut up. You're not dumb, we're dumb. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Um You
1: are the ones who are dumb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Um, Tucker what does The Departed did it deserve to be a franchise
1: uh you know I don't think it needs to be like I think it's fine with just the one movie I mean everybody dies except Mm -hmm. for Mark Wahlberg except for Marky Mark and his
0: funky bunches yeah
1: that's that's it and that's cool like, would I, I watch a sequel, it would really depend on who was behind the scenes. Right. Honestly.
0: And I, I mean, Scorsese had no interest. I mean, the man has only directed one sequel in his life, and that is the aforementioned Color of Money. Mm-hmm. Um, So, you know, we don't like the man had no interest in a sequel. That was part of the reason why it it never happened. And also like budget, like people were just like, nah, I don't want to fund this. But uh, would I have watched it? Absolutely. Do I think it's necessary? No, no, no. Mm-hmm. But I I would absolutely watch the hell out of any movie set in the Scorsese departed verse, like hundred percent.
1: Well, and I feel like there are um, I I don't know who specifically, but uh, I can imagine there are some directors and creative teams that could have followed it up well mm-hmm. enough. But I I'm fine without I'm cool without it. Like I don't even think about it. Like until we did this right now. I wasn't like, oh man, what would a sequel be like? Right. Because it's good. We're, I think, good. I think I like, think
0: every movie that we've covered this month falls into a category for a lot of people. And and I do get this from time to time. People are like, wait, that was supposed to have a sequel? Like I get that all like when I tell people, oh yeah, we're covering this movie, they're like, wait, that was supposed to have a sequel. And I'm like, oh yeah. Like they were gonna make a sequel to the departed. They were planning a sequel to Casablanca. They had a sequel written to Forrest Gump. Like all these things that were, all these are things that were in the pipeline. They were going to happen. And then for one reason or another, they just didn't. So like, again, like I've gotten that. And honestly, probably more for this series of, of uh, this theme month than any other. It's been a lot of wait, Really? And yeah. And I think a big part of the reason why you, you would expect this one too, is because this one is based on on a, on an existing trilogy, but also they actually did have a sequel written that was going to star and feature Mark Wahlberg's character. So, yeah.
1: And I think, I think integrity won out in the end because something I think I've learned from this month is that the reason these movies are winning all these awards, even though I don't like Forrest Gump, I recognize that it probably deserves some of the awards that it got. It's, it was a cultural
0: Um, moment for sure.
1: Yeah. Like there's something about films that are that good Mm -hmm. that like, there's a certain integrity to not making a sequel to them right. because you could so easily milk it. Like you could do one theatrically. It doesn't do so great. You go direct to video on the next two, you know, right. you're making money. Are mm-hmm. Is it, it's not going to ruin the original, but I think it kind of, like I said, it takes kind of the, in, some of the integrity out of it. Right. And I think movies of this pedigree, I don't know. You don't want to mess with it.
0: And and I'm kind of right there with you. Like some and, and I think sometimes a, original films have kind of been sullied by some of the sequels. Like the one that I think of immediately, that like none of the films in the original in the rest of the franchise hold a candle to the original Halloween is kind of the big one that I think of there because immediately right off the gate you're I look, I like Halloween too. But it it doesn't hold a candle to Halloween one, and it kind of ends up sending the franchise off in a weird trajectory that I don't particularly care for, that very few actually care for.
1: For me, that is, I'm sure, unpopular opinion. Um, hopefully, please, please send me fan mail about this. Send me mail about at gmail at
0: gmail.com. This.
1: Please do, because my pick for that is Tremors. Mmm. Like the sequels, I mean, there are a couple of them that are okay, but any Tremors movie that I watch that's not the first movie just only makes me wish I was watching the first one. It's the just Kevin like, Bacon I factor could, for I you, could isn't just it? Watch, but why would I do this when I could watch it better over here, right? You know,
0: and I think we can all kind of all think of a movie that that were like the first film is damn near perfect, and but then every sequel that comes out after it is just like. Well, this just flies in the face of how good that first entry was.
1: Well, I'm almost mad talking about Tremors, man. I just wish those all were the first movie. Ooh, I, I meant Jamie to. Kennedy, why would you bring Jamie Kennedy into this? I mean, why he was. This? He
0: was great in Scream. Um, I a, a couple years ago during the pandemic, I legitimately when they were all on Netflix, I almost sat down and watched all the Tremors movies back to back. I almost binged all the Tremors movies. I didn't end up doing it, but.
1: They're not Cooler, that. Like, the cooler one, wiser
0: films pre- or heads prevailed in that one,
1: but yeah. I think the second one's pretty good. And honestly, I like the fourth one quite a bit. But it's not five minutes that passes when I'm watching either of those two films where I'm just like, man, I should just pop in the original though. Mm. Understood. That, this is good, but that would be a lot better. Because that, to me, that's another perfect film. Like, it's just it hits every beat where it needs to. Never wastes any time. It's wonderful. Lightning in a bottle, that movie. I tell you what.
0: Fair enough. We should cover the last of those movies on uh, Unenfranchised one day. Just or to maybe, really make maybe you maybe mad. I
1: have a, maybe I have a different idea for that that we are talking about when this is all over.
0: Hmm. I am interested.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, and speaking of... It's really good. Speaking of sending Tucker fan mail, and you can do so at disenfranchpod at gmail.com, we actually did get a email from a listener this week, one of our brand new patrons. Um, and I'm just gonna go ahead and read. I will uh eliminate some of the uh some of the personal information included here. Uh hello, disenfranchised guys. I love your podcast. You have such a great chemistry and are really funny. I found your podcast over the summer. I heard Steven on an episode of the pod and the pendulum a few times, and I heard him mention your podcast and thought I would check it out. I was not disappointed. I started subscribing to your Patreon feed a few weeks ago, and I'm working my way through your back catalog. I heard you guys say that all your subscribers are friends and people, you know, so I just thought I'd take the time to introduce myself. And yes, you are the first person I do not know personally to become a patron. So Welcome. Uh, again, I'm going to eliminate a lot of the personal information here. Um, my name is Brandy. Uh, I love movies, especially scary ones. I have very eclectic taste in movies. Some of my favorites are The Original Halloween, Chicago, The Poseidon Adventure, and, brace yourselves, Howard the Duck, a movie we that will... Is eclectic. Brandy, I promise you that is a movie we will be covering before the end of 2023. In fact, I will dare say before the end of the first half of 2023. You will hear our episode on Howard the duck.
1: You know, I respect broad tastes in a person. I was going
0: to say you have fairly broad tastes as well, Tucker. Way to go.
1: That's the life to live. Like the more you limit yourself, the less fun you're having. Right. Like all of the things. Exactly. Like all of the things.
0: Absolutely. Uh, She, she closes out by saying thanks for taking the time to read this and keep up the great work. Brandy, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being a patron. Um, we actually did uh, also get another patron. I'm going to start shouting out patrons when we get them. Um, we have a new patron, uh, Maya, who joined at the uh, at the five dollar level, which is uh, really great. Thank you so much, Maya, for your support uh, there. We we really appreciate uh, you and all of our patrons. Actually, you can join our Patreon, patreon.com slash uh, and you can join at either the three or five dollar level. Each tier gives you access to content that you cannot hear on the main feed um including a lot of th- it though we tease we're gonna, it we're gonna tease the hell like out of it muff um, we've got uh on the three dollar tier, get you uh episodes of dis or of dis and and unenfranchised um our top five list show and our show all about the uh movies that killed your favorite long-running franchises at the five dollar level you get everything else oops all video game corner oops all christianity corner uh movie commentaries um trailer commentaries
1: we do a lot of stuff just off the cuff too like at the five dollar level you get the stuff where like we finish an episode then we start talking about something we're like wait a minute we should record this.
0: Yeah. Like literally things have happened. So many times things have happened that we've just hit record on and just, and that has become Patreon content. So patreon.com slash disenfranch pod. That is probably the best way to support the podcast right now. Another great way to support the podcast, head on over to Apple podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, leave us a nice five-star rating and review. Uh, even if the review is something very simple, like me like podcast, good. Um, it really helps go a long way to helping us find uh, other listeners, new listeners, listeners like yourselves who uh, who, who enjoy kind of the quirky, weird stuff that we do. We always appreciate it. And we always appreciate you as our listeners. Um, you can also find us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and Facebook at Pod. I am your host, Stephen Foxworth. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, at Chewy Walrus. My absent co-host, Brett Wright, can be found on Instagram and Letterboxd at sus underscore warlock. Tucker, where can we find your social media presence such as it is?
1: You will find me exclusively on YouTube at youtube.com slash ice 909. That's I-C-E-N-I-N-E, the number zero. And the number nine. And let me tell you, like I was saying at the beginning, I was going to say that that preservation project, it's happening, man. Like I put out 12 songs, that's six EPs that I digitized um, everything from like classical dance numbers to like banjo music to comedy routines that I found on 45. Uh, I've got a whole bunch of Christmas stuff coming up next. Right on. uh, the one i put out today was a batman record Ooh. from the 1960s i love that and, for me uh it's two songs just about how rad robin is okay yeah right on one is called the wonderful boy wonder and i don't know what the other one's called something dumb but <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I have a lot of these 45s that I enjoy that are stuff that I can't find any information about online. And I just want to share them with literally everyone.
0: Right on, man. If you're
1: into that, go to my YouTube and check that out. Also, I've got, you know, original music on there that I've written and recorded. That's gotten dozens of views, right? Yeah, no big whoop. That's just kind (laughs) of there for whatevs. It's all about the preservation project.
0: Right on. Well, that's, that's awesome. Um, that that's where you can find us. Um, and next week, uh, it's a new month and it's a new theme as well. Um, if I can get the scheduling worked out, uh, it's going to be a Gosh, good I month. Hope so
1: we're going to have, gonna
0: we're going to hopefully have some really great guests on next month as well. Um, bringing, bringing some guests back after a, a bit of a break from, from guests for a, for a couple months, but, uh, we've got some really great stuff planned for next month. Uh, check, The uh, Twitter feed and the Instagram feed and the Facebook feed to see uh, kind of the clues for what we have planned. And if you're a patron, you'll know what we have planned as of February 1st. Those answers will drop. So, all that and more uh, coming your way very, very soon. Until then, I am your host, Stephen Foxworthy, and this has been the Disenfranchised Podcast for my absent co host, Brett Wright, and my present co host, Tucker. Until next time. Say hi to your mother for me.